When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Two minutes past six here on your Good Morning Tuesday, uh, SENZ Breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. I was just saying, Mitch, uh, that song, uh, Money for Nothing, uh, all those lyrics about, you know, he's a millionaire and he's this and he's that and he's uh, got his mink coat and, uh, you know, he gets his money for nothing, his checks for free. Mark Knopfler from Die Straits wrote that song based on a conversation he heard between two tradesmen who was setting up his new mansion as he was moving into it? Uh, so that was uh, that. That was the inspiration for that song. Was actually was actually real. They were talking about him. That's bloody gold, mate. Uh, what conversations have you heard people say about you? Oh, that's a great question. Actually, I'd have to have a think. Probably none, none that I can repeat on air, mm. to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> none, to, none to your face. <laughs> yeah, exactly, mate, exactly. Um, mate, right. how, how, how good from the Black Caps again last night, especially that opening pair. Yeah, strong strong start. They were playing on the on the state highway number one, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, mate, it looked flat. It was so flat at uh, Genuine you have, Road. Would you have rated your chances opening there? Oh, highly, highly, oh, actually, yeah. 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 It didn't look uh, super challenging. 
I was actually sitting there um, thinking about it last night. I was like, next time you watch the way like Conway and Lath, or probably Conway more so, is that he's playing so far out in front of himself um, with just his hands and his bat, which you wouldn't see someone, you wouldn't say like an opener would do that in New Zealand in our mm. conditions where it seems around. It just shows how flat it is when someone can play away from their body in the third or fourth over um, and just trust their hands and not worry about too much foot movement. I was like, well, that's when you know. That's when you know it's a road. Well, that is the thing. Cause I, I, kinda, I, I chucked it on and I was just like, oh, you know, first day, first session, first day, probably not much is going to happen for a few overs. You know, they're feeling out process. I think it was the second over. Conway just played straight through one square of the wicket for four, and I went, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> this looks nice. Ball's on. Um, Nazim Shah as well, he's not slow. No. Like, he's got good wheels, got real good wheels. In New Zealand, if he was bowling like that, he'd be up above the head like rapid, mate. So and when you can get on the front dog every ball. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they, they were doing, it was actually there was a, a stat that they put up, and I think it was Waka Yunus was uh, part of the commentary team at that time, and um, he kind of was laughing to himself. And I think I can't remember the it must have been last year, like stats for last year at Karachi. Yeah, at how many uh, wickets were taken by pace? How many take, was taken by spin? What was the stat? Uh, I think it was nine wickets were taken by pace, forty nine were taken by spin. Yeah, right. And um, you know the average at pace was like seventy four, and the average at spin was thirty five or something. And he just laughed and said, who would be a pace bowler? It's crazy, eh? And and for some reason, just Pakistan seems to just like churn them out. Yeah. There's just a constant conveyor belt of them. Um, but yeah, Karachi, mate, that's, um, I guess I guess that's the difference, right? In New Zealand, we expect the ball to swing and move around a little bit early, and that's ending it flatter as the test goes on. I guess in the subcontinent, you want it a little bit flatter, you win the toss, you bat, you score some runs, and hope the pitch deteriorates. I would have thought that Pakistan would know those conditions better than us, right? Hmm. We've named three spinners, they've named one. That surprise you? Well, they've named one, and then Salman, who's a spinning all-rounder, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I guess, oh, well, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, to be honest. It's uh, Pakistan, since got rid of Ramaz Raja, like they just, they're just going through another patch where I don't think anyone knows who's in charge. What's so, going on? What's going on? And seeing the new selectors, convener selectors come in, I think it's Shahid Afridi. Oh, he's in there and, and there's a few other senior guys floating around. So it'll take them a while to figure out what team they, they want to pick, I guess. Yeah. Um, what what about uh, the rest of that scorecard? I mean, if we, we look at uh, how the Black Caps started, um, as we mentioned, the opening pair did, did the job again. Latham, 71. Devin Conway, 122. Then Kane, 36 off 91. So certainly took his time. It sort of reminds me of some of his... Uh, T20 innings. Uh, then uh, Henry Nichols, 26 off 56. Hey, come, mate. <laughs> give, him, give him a break, mate. Uh, the game was, Kane's been exceptional <laughs> since he's obviously got rid of the captaincy. I know it's only been one game. Yeah. Uh, you got to give them answer. He 200 last time out. Yeah. I suppose that's all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Daryl Mitchell, three. And then we've got uh, Blundell, 30 not out-ish, 11 not out. Michael Brace, we've got the, uh, the the duck. I think I think everyone else, even Kane, will be missing... Uh, like missing out on like a huge opportunity, obviously ruin missing out on a huge opportunity because like I said, it, it was flat. It wasn't doing too much. Yeah, a little bit of reverse swing, but the wicket's so slow with so little bounce that it's actually not that hard to cover. So, I mean, Henry Nichols again, um, I know he had a little chuckle when he came into the <laughs> office uh, that he didn't get his average overseas again. Um, but uh, you really, when you get off to a start like that, uh, you really want Henry Nichols, Daryl Mitchell, Tom Blundell, to really capitalise off mm. that start because in those conditions, if you can find a way of 
um, hopefully buying enough time, like we've talked about with the England series, the first test, you might only have to bat once. If they could have scored 600, 650, you know, yeah. could have really put themselves in a really strong position. They still, you know, long shot, really long shot with the way East batted the other day. If him and Blundell get off to a good start today, they could push maybe 450. Um, yeah. 309 for six on that pitch, that feels like Pakistan, while they might not be happy, it feels like it was a pretty even day. I think so. I, I think definitely towards the end, obviously, picking up those last couple of wickets, getting rid of Bracewell and, and, and that, and having this at the crease, I think it definitely probably feels a little bit in New Zealand's favour because uh, they could push on um, to get a decent score. Mm. But I think the positive thing is that the game's advanced, right? Yeah. The game's advanced. Um, I think New Zealand, hopefully, with the side that they've picked, I think Matt Henry was a good inclusion. Uh, we spoke about that yesterday. He might come in for uh, Neil Wagner, who seemed a little bit down on pace. Hopefully we just might have a little bit more potency with the ball this, this second innings. Yeah. Uh, where, does, where does he bat? Does he get to come in ahead of the captain? Um, given, <laughs> given what we saw from the skip last time out, he didn't go that well. <laughs> nah, no chance, mate. i tell you what, uh, neither, neither Henry or Southie are going to hold back. They will be swinging for the hills. That's just the way they play. And when they come out and bat in test cricket, yeah. they just try to hit the ball, try to hit some boundaries. Southie's just going after that test hit, uh, six hitting record, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, <laughs> I think he might be. I think he might be. Hey, yesterday we also we talked to Robbie O'Donnell, the Auckland captain, um, uh, head of their game against the Vaults, uh, Super Smash. And uh, boy, how long has it been since we've seen a tie in Super Smash? 174 for eight, both teams. Yeah, Twitter was uh, exploding, wasn't it? They, everyone wanted a super over, make yeah. it a bit more exciting. Yeah, well, I was actually surprised we didn't have a super over. Yeah, I don't know. Is, is it because um, they are sharing coverage with free air, so uh, they I, need to put a time limit on it? Maybe, maybe, maybe could be one. Of, could be one of those ones. Yeah, because I mean, I, I, I watched for a little bit at the start, but had the had uh, my daughter, mm. you know, with me and stuff. From, school holidays, etc. So she wasn't that interested in watching that. So we were doing a few other things. And when I stopped watching, I think uh, Auckland had taken the fourth Otago wicket and they were down like four for 40-odd. And I was like, oh, you know, this could be all over real quickly. Um, but then, yeah, the next wicket didn't go until they were on 135. So uh, what what a comeback from from the vaults when they looked like they were done. Yeah, I, there was there – was, uh, Lou Johnson came out and played really well. He, he didn't hit any fours. He had five sixes in his 40 or 50-odd. Um, he, he came out and really tried to, to go after the spinners. Uh, George Worker had an opportunity on the boundary off Addy Ashok um, to kind of get that fifth wicket and break that partnership and fortunately just dropped it over the boundary and kind of just set up the momentum for the vaults there. Dean Foxcroft, again, um, back-to-back against the Aces. Uh, he's got off to a great, great start in this campaign. It's just so nice to see him playing some cricket again in New Zealand. Um, it was beautiful with the ball as well. Uh, he really was getting the big wicket of Mark Chapman. But it was it was a really weird game, eh? Like like you say, it ebbed and flowed. Mm. It started, looked like Auckland was going to dominate all on top. Um, and then Otago looked like they were on top early. Um, a couple of wickets in the power play. And then that, that last over, I, I was a bit conf- uh, Hamish Rutherford um, chose to bowl the left arm spinner to Mark Chapman in the last over of the power play, which I thought was a bit odd. Um, you know, <laughs> they got taken down. And at that point, I thought, okay, the aces are on here. They're away. Uh, but they just couldn't really get a big partnership going. Uh, Robbie O'Donnell touched on that in, after the game. But they really couldn't get that key long partnership going. And I think Will O'Donnell did exceptionally well after doing his ankle in the field mm. um, to come in late and, and almost had 18 off the last. Well, they did get 18 off the last over, 17 off the last over, didn't they? Um, yeah, Matt Bacon, geez. 
Uh, the over didn't go too well to him before that, but uh, that last ball had a perfect Yorker and get the run out. Um, you know, it was, it was a great game of cricket in the end. It was. Uh, yeah, and like you said, Robbie O'Donnell touched on it in the post-match, but you look at that Auckland scorecard, 24, 25, 28, 39, 23, 12. Lots of starts, nobody really kicking on, you know. Yeah, and no one really, um, that kind of total at Eden Park, when the wicket actually was pretty decent. Yeah. That could have been done in 17 overs. Yeah. You know, I just felt watching it, I think guys like Sean Solier um, just bat a little bit slow um, in a period where they could have accelerated. Um, and then ended up putting pressure on people like Robbie who played a big shot and that kind of stuff. So in that, those situations on a good wicket and a small boundary, uh, you've got to keep the foot down and don't let don't get the lane, game get too close or like it was 17 off the last over. Auckland deserved to, to probably lose that with how they batted in the middle to latter end of that. Yeah, Otago will be gutted, won't they? I think so. That one got away. Yeah, I think after Rudd's, Rudd's kind of said that, you know, he wasn't sure whether it was a good result or not getting the tie. Yeah. You know, was, um, but I guess they got out with a point um, when Will O'Donnell almost tried to steal that at the end. So, yeah, I, I think they'll be disappointed. I, I felt like they dominated the game. Um, that's <laughs> quite funny, actually. Uh, Craig Kachoba, one of my good mates, uh, has just been sending me what he's betting on now because he's done his two years stand down. Um, <laughs> so he's all over it. So he's all over it, betting on the on the overs and the unders on, on the overs. Uh, how, did he, how did he go yesterday? He actually went pretty well, actually. He picked it. Uh, knew, seemed to know uh, what overs were going to be a little bit flat. You know, there's just yeah. that little bit of extra cricket knowledge coming through. So that was entertaining, seeing the text message of what I, he was uh, having a punt on. I need to get into that group chat. I need to get into <laughs> that group chat. Um, we should talk Phoenix as well. Yesterday, Phoenix had a doubleheader yes. in Wellington. Uh, the, the women's team, they got their first point of the season against West Sydney. Uh, they took the lead, probably uh, disappointed they didn't go on mm. uh, and, and, and take all three points. Ended up with a one-all draw. And the men's team... Man, it was a great game, actually. The Phoenix versus uh, Melbourne City, who were the league leaders... 20 shots the Phoenix had to 13, had more possession, uh, had more shots on target, kept the Melbourne City keeper busy. Mm. Frustrating, like particularly towards the end, but it was, uh, yeah, 3-1, Melbourne City won in the end. They scored the third, I think, in the seventh minute of injury time. Uh, and, yeah, a win for Melbourne City. But, yeah, an entertaining game, and I think the Phoenix will go come away from that thinking they probably should have got something. Probably should have, yeah, probably should have taken some points uh, by the sounds of that. Um, on the women, um, last yeah. year, obviously, with their inaugural season um, in the competition, um, how have you seen them develop over the last year? Were you impressed with how they played yesterday? At times, yeah. I mean, they, they again, were a team that they had, it felt like they had more chances than Western Sydney. Mm. They just couldn't, and it's just that final pass in the last third. But at the moment, they've, they've got this problem where, um, like, probably at least half their starting 11 aren't available. So their captain from last season, who's the, the captain this season, who's their number one goalkeeper, hasn't played this season because she's had a knee injury. Katie Taylor, who's captain them in her stead as the vice captain of the squad, is the centre back. She's been out the last three games. Mm. Paige Satchel, who they signed. Uh, from Sydney FC, yep. who's a football fern, um, 24, really quick, plays up front. Um, she's out injured as well. Uh, Emma Ralston, who they signed as a replacement for, for Annalie Longo, who can play up front or is attacking midfielder. She was out ill. Like they just had, so they're missing. They're missing a bunch of bodies. So I think they did well to get a point considering who they didn't have. 
Mm. And we had a bit of bit of NFL as well. We're going to talk a little bit NFL mm. later with Zach Cox as well. Out of uh, well, where's he? In, he's a Boston. He's boy. Boston boy. Yeah, yeah. Pats fan. So we'll try not to ponder oh, too much on the Pets. Well, they, they went well, all right. Yeah, hey, they got mate. a chance. They got a chance. He's still alive, yeah. which is more than we can say about our Raiders. Mind you, <laughs> mind you, they've got a, they're eight and eight, but they've got the Bills next week. Yeah, and that's uh, that's a big game. It's mm. a massive game, and that rivalry is huge as well, you know. Um, mm. I mean, because it's, you know, the Bills is, I know it's not New York, but it's yeah. New York State. So yes, it's yes. That, it's that uh, Massachusetts-New York rivalry. Well, they've lost five of their last six games against the Bills. So that'll be interesting. Three on the trot. Yeah, right. And, and I mean, the Bills have been travelling pretty well, and, they, mm. and we see them in action today um, against the Bengals, who, of course, were in the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, we year. do, 2.30 this afternoon. So two two leading teams, I think, uh, six wins on the trot for the Bills and seven wins on the trot for Cincinnati for the Bengals. So I think it's the first time, or oh, twenty that I think it's the first time that uh, going into Monday Night Football that there's been twenty three wins in a season between uh, twenty five wins between a team, two teams playing on Monday Night Football. So that's, uh, it's going to be absolute blockbuster. That is going to be absolutely huge. Now it's time for our can't wait question of the day, and our can't wait question of the day. I've uh, just been. Uh, been told, uh, I've just been informed. Uh, what do the Black Caps have to do to win? What do the Black Caps have to do to win in Pakistan in the second test and get a, a test series win? Uh, it was interesting, Mitch, looking at the uh, the breakdown. Dooley was uh, doing a bit of a chat about it uh, yesterday in the commentary, saying, you know, like Pakistan uh, have only won two tests in 2022. The Black Caps had only won two tests in 2022 as well, mm. one against Bangladesh, one against South Africa. Uh, dropping that test against Bangladesh and Mount Monganui, I think, was a, a low point last year for the Black Caps. So, what do they have to do to win uh, to turn things around and, and you know be challenging again for the Test Championship? Oh, look, I, I think they've got off to a good start. They scored a good run rate yesterday. Uh, I think they've put themselves in a position where I, they're in a position where I think the way Steady likes to to coach is to at least give yourself a chance not to lose. Yep. And we saw that with his tenure at Canterbury. So I think they're in a position where if they get another 100 to 150 runs, I think they're in a position where they hopefully shouldn't lose. And hopefully they'll give Steady and Sadie the confidence to really like take a few risks. Yeah, to really, you know, to really try and have a real crack in that second innings and try and accelerate the scoring rate um, and try and get a good lead quickly yeah. to give themselves a little bit more time than they did in that last test. I know, I know you were watching on, on, the, on TV like I am, um, but you have a bit more of a take on how pitches deteriorate, how pitches act. Mm. I mean, you looked at what that pitch did yesterday. I mean, given that the Black Caps will probably bat at least the morning session, if not yep. two sessions today, mm. what's that going to give our bowlers uh, for the for the Pakistani first innings to, to bowl at? I think tom- tomorrow will be the best day to bat on, on that wicket. Yep. Um, generally, the second day of a test match in all conditions is the best day to bat. Um, so the longer that they can stop Pakistan from batting probably tomorrow, the better. Yep. Um, and just give give our bowlers that, that extra night's of rest, I guess, from the last test, kind of get that good recovery out, maybe until after lunch, just before the tea, um, and then have a short stint at night because hopefully you can get enough runs where you're going to be bowling a majority of the rest of the test match. Yeah, and that's and that's going to be the goal. So if we can get through to what tea maybe, yeah, we can give tea. Pakistan a session at the end of day two. Yeah, and then come back fresh in the morning, try to clean them up, and mm. either score some runs quickly at the end of day three, uh, set it up to hopefully be bowling again by by the end of day oh lunch just before lunch of day four. 
Yeah, all right. Well, we want to hear from you on that. That is our can't wait question of the day. So text us through on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Double eight double three is the number. Double eight double three. Temper and bedposts, a range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head up and feet up in comfort. Our can't wait question of the day. What do the Black Caps have to do to win? What do you make of what Mitch has said? What did you make of the first day's play? Let's hear from you. Double eight double three or the Kennard's High phone line 0800 150 you're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. It is 6.23 here on SENZ with Mitch and Ricardo for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Uh, joining us out of Sydney now is Mark. Uh, g'day, Mark. How you doing? G'day, guys. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, and yourself, mate. And yourself, you, uh, you're getting coverage of the Black Caps Pakistan over there. I am getting coverage of the Black Caps in Pakistan. I listen on SENZ, naturally. And uh, thank you for the great coverage. It's great to hear people like uh, Jeremy Coney and uh, Daniel do the commentary. It's very entertaining. And I think uh, the Black Caps can really do themselves a big favour by simply keeping their eye on the ball. I mean, the middle order collapsed pretty quickly last mm. night and they're in, and the Pakistan bowlers are into the tail now. And I think that was the thing that really turned the match not so much in Pakistan's favour with a win, but definitely it gave them an advantage with regard to the speed with which New Zealand was scoring runs. I think if the Black Caps just keep their eye on the ball, stay cool under pressure, and think about where the batsmen are going to place the balls, uh, that'll be a lot better for them. And New Zealand won't lose so many wickets so fast and will actually have a chance of setting a good first innings total. Yeah, you're bang on, actually, Mark. Um, it's one of those situations, isn't it, where where you see your openers dominate so much at the top of the order that you are thinking that it is a road, and like you say, you you don't prepare yourself mentally to start from ball one. So that that could definitely be the case. Is there is there anyone there uh, in that middle order? Of, you watch a bit of domestic cricket. Who, who you'd like to see in that test side in the future? Well, uh, I think. The, te- the Black Caps team as it is is a good team mm. and I think Kane when he stepped aside from the captaincy that was a good move because he seems to be a lot stronger mentally and a lot more cooler under pressure mentally because that's proven last night when he got a good score but I think the team could do a lot with regard to going back to the future as it were by looking at the great 80s and 90s teams New Zealand had with people like uh, John Wright and Jeff Howarth and the great batsmen they had back then, especially John Wright being an opener, with regard to their attitude under pressure because they played really well, they played cool under pressure, and they ended up getting a lot of uh, runs to help New Zealand win games. And I think the team just needs to basically calm down, take a step back mentally when they're in the pitch, think about, okay, which part of the pitch can I score the most runs at, you know, like which has a faster outfield, for example. Look at the bowlers, think, okay, what's their weaknesses? Mm. And play accordingly rather than, say, reacting simply out of panic. Because it can be done. Because Mm. as they're playing, each pitch at each different ground has its own characteristics. So if they can stay cool under pressure, gauge the characteristics of each different pitch and think, how can I turn that to a scoring advantage? I think they'll be a lot better off. 
Yeah, I think it's a, that's a fair comment, Mark, and kind of plays a little bit into what you said yesterday, Mitch, about uh, maybe having Will Young come and partner Latham at the top. So you've got Conway batting at four and just gives us more solidity through the A bit more spine. stability, yeah. A bit yeah. more stability, a bit more maturity, a bit more experience, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, good stuff, Mark. Thanks for your call, but enjoy right. uh, the continued coverage on SCNZ. It'll be back for you again from around 6 o'clock this evening, uh, coverage of the second test out of Karachi in Pakistan. Uh, coming up, actually, in about three minutes' time, Mitch, Game of Premier League football about to kick off. Brentford hosting Liverpool. Uh, the TAB odds, Brentford at 5.50. The draw at 4.33. Liverpool at $1.53. Now, that market's changed since I got in this morning. I got on the draw at $4.50. Um, Talk us through your thinking around jumping on the door, draw. On the draw. Well, Brentford got a great record at home. They've got mm. a very good record at home. Um, they're, they're a tough side to beat there. And Liverpool, I mean, even Kez, who, uh, Captain Kez through the glass there, who's a died-in-the-wall Liverpool fan, will admit that you know they got really lucky against Leicester. They were the second-best team against Leicester, even though that game was at Anfield. But they managed to get a win because Leicester scored two own goals, basically. Mm. Um, and they've got injury issues. The, the length of the injuries um, for Liverpool, there's no Jordan Henderson today. He's not even on the bench, and he's really important to them as a leader. Um, but there's no uh, Luis Diaz. There's there's no uh, Diogo Jota, there's no Roberto Firmino, there's no James Milner, uh, there's no Curtis Jones, So, uh, and there obviously Jordan Henderson is missing as well. Andy Robertson's on the bench, but he had to be, he went off with what looked like a nasty calf injury last week, uh, last game. So, you know, I think he I, he might be on the bench just to be a body. Um, I think Liverpool are really struggling in terms of depth because they've got so many injuries. So I, I think um, they're Brentford at, they were 450, they're in a 433 for the draw, I think is probably a good investment. All right, so we're backing you in? Backing me in. I've chucked, okay. a, I've chucked a 20 on it. So, okay, Ooh, uh, 20. We'll, yeah, chucked that's, a, that's confidence. Oh, mate, you know, I've talking high rollers here. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I'm all about filling the beer fridge. That's all I want to do, fill the beer fridge. So, mm. um, yeah, so that game uh, kicks off in about two minutes' time. Um, so we'll keep you up to date with that through throughout the morning. Have you got a, have you got a team you follow the EPL? Uh, well, when I first started getting involved and interested in it was mm. as young. So I used to follow Newcastle United when I used to play when I was young. Yeah. And then um, I, when Ryan Nelson went to Blackburn, yeah, I started following Blackburn. Right. Okay. So, so uh, outside of that, just the teams I play on FIFA. Right. Who do you play on FIFA? <laughs> Yeovil Town because Yeovil they're Town. in the lowest. They were in the lowest <laughs> league, <laughs> and they had the green and white kit. And I don't know, it just looked cool to me and yep. build them up into a Premier League side, mate. Yeah. Oh, huge. As everyone does, you never start at the top, do you? You start down down low. I always used to start with Barnet. Barnet. Yeah, who are about based in North London. Yeah. Yeah, but the the Barnet, the bees, the bees. I always just used to start with them. But oh no, good stuff, mate. Good stuff. Mm. Well, you should have brought that up yesterday because Yeovil and Plymouth are big rivals. Yeah, I was keeping quiet, keeping quiet on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just keep it stum, keep it stum. Uh, coming up this hour on SENZ uh, Breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo, uh, we have a quizzy tag, so we do have a fifty dollars TAB bonus bet up for grabs. Up next, though, we're going to go uh, and crack uh, some headlines with Kez. Talk some sport after this. Shop the Chemist Warehouse Boxing Day sale and get half price off the INC Sports range. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepay plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ.
35 minutes past six on SENZ, listening to Mitch and Ricardo kicking off your morning, kicking off the Tuesday, boys, getting through the week. And uh, Ken Artire is hiring big. Visit kenartire.co.nz. Thought I'd just drop in with a few headlines here, boys. Got a uh, good one winding back the clock. And then uh, we're going to dive into two little football conspiracies that I've got for you, Ricardo, that have popped up in the last uh, few days right. or so. Like it, like it. Boys. How good was it to see uh, Venus winding back the clock at the Classic last night? She uh, she showed that she still got it at the young age of only 42. She's still got 10 years in her, doesn't it, Jeepers? She was looking good out there, looking strong against uh, American Katie Volinet. Is that is that the one? Volinet, yeah. Volinet. Yeah, I was going to say, that's got to be the best the best name in tennis since Tennis Sangren. Jeepers, yeah. You know? It's very fitting, eh? Yeah. Like it's, it's someone a, backhand. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. We need a... Uh, well, I suppose, you know, the best example in cricket that I can think of off the top of my head, Mitch, would be David Hooks. David Hooks, yep. Yeah. yeah. There's no drivers, are there? No sweeper <laughs> or anything? No sweep? Uh, yeah, no, Jack Ball. Yeah, yeah oh, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, 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 yeah there we go. Ricardo Ball. Uh, the veteran, uh, she won uh, her set 7-6-6-2 in her first appearance uh, since the US Open last year. Uh, awesome. we got got uh, Stephen McIver coming up. Rick, 8, 8.40 for yeah. uh, Stephen McIver. He's down there at the Classic looking after the coverage with Sky, so it's going to be awesome. Stay tuned to catch up for that. Rick, breaking into it now. I've got a two-little uh, two, uh, two parter for you here. Julian Alvarez. Manchester City player, mm. uh, obviously has just won the World Cup. Uh, he's he's facing a bit of heat right now, and it's to do with a petition. So uh, once uh, Alvarez won the World Cup and headed back to Manchester for a bit of New Year's celebration, he was obviously surrounded by plenty of fans, obviously being the only citizen to win the World Cup. Yeah. That, I find that pretty ironic, pretty funny. Uh, his his girlfriend was out with him strolling the streets of Manchester, and a group of, uh, of young lads, young Manchester lads, wanted to get a photo, as they do. And uh, there's a video that's just come out now of of uh, Julian's girlfriend, uh, Amelia. She's a hockey player. Mm. For, uh, for Argentina, and she was saying to the guys, oh, can we just get a photo as a group so we just save time, you know? Yeah. Fans didn't like that, Rick. Uh, there's been a petition <laughs> now for Julian Alvarez to break up with his girlfriend, Amelia, <laughs> after she asked these kids really nicely if we could just take a photo as a group. Uh, the, the petition's been up for just over 24 hours. 30,000 signatures. Uh, so I don't, I don't think Julian's going to actually pull through. Sign- they've got more signatures than City have got fans. That's it. That's what I was going to say. They've, they've pretty much filled up the easy head for a normal Saturday, isn't it? But I thought I found that one quite funny. The power of the people, isn't it? All, all she wanted was just to save a bit of time on New Year's, a busy night. Uh, no, not having it. 30,000 people say you're out the door, love, with a World a, Cup you're winner. You're out the door. Mitch, you must, you must struggle with that when you go out on the town with, uh, with your trouble and strife. Not in, not in New Zealand. No. It's bloody good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> India, yes. Yeah, different, yep. different story. Oh, I'm a big fan of the group photo in India. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, you just get it done. In and out. In yeah. and out. Get yeah. it done. Get it done. No. Oh, mate. Uh, yeah. The second one is a little bit closer to your heart, Rick. Okay. Uh, Manchester United. Yep. You haven't been doing as bad as I thought. Uh, for this season, so it's, I'll well, give you credit for that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Five one. You shush your mouth. Uh, anyway, Batinho, your new uh, star number eleven, Rick. Mm. Do you remember this one from last week? Yeah, it was a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? Yeah. So uh, uh, Batinho was a name that came up on the on the team sheet for Manchester United's match last week against Nottingham Forest. 
Uh, Patino just he just struggles to exist for Manchester United, doesn't he, Rick? So there was a few conspiracy theories floating around, and I just wanted to know what one was your favourite, Rick. So there's a Portuguese forward called Patino, mm. all right, and it was his birthday on the day, and he's quite close with Bruno Fernandes, uh, who obviously uh, from time to time will captain United, and he is Portuguese. So a lot of people think that it was a little birthday gift for this uh, young Portuguese striker, Patino, or the other one. Is that Manchester United have signed Ivan Tony? <laughs> Batinho. <laughs> if you didn't know, Ivan Tony is on a massive suspension right now under uh, under betting allegations. Well, he's not been suspended him. yet. Is he not? I thought he was out indefinitely. No, he played last week. We well, played in the last yeah. Brentford game and got injured. That's yeah. why he's not oh, playing today. Oh, he was injured, wasn't he? Yeah. That's why he's out uh, against yeah. Liverpool today. Uh, yeah, over 200 uh, occasions where Ivan Tony has bet on football matches have has come up. Um, which you're not allowed to do when you're a professional footballer, as as it turns out, Mitch. Sheesh, yeah, not not any professional athlete. No, no. So uh, yeah, I've, it's still under investigation. On to win, or on himself to win, or I'm not sure on the details. I don't mm. think. Oh, yeah, I mean, so to be honest, I'd, if you're going to bet on yourself to score or bet on yourself to win, your team to win, I don't have an issue with it. It's when you bet against your team that I that I think that's cagey, right? I think that's what he was doing because it's Brentford. It's not <laughs> a Man City. You can't just be betting. So I think a part of it was he was actually looking for Brentford to lose. Well, the great Bobby Jones, anyone who knows their golf, mm. Bobby Jones, um, to win the Grand Slam, uh, yep. he bet on himself to win the Grand Slam. Uh, back in, oh geez, 50 to 1 odds to win the Grand Slam. He took took $60,000 away with him. So that's uh, $60,000 way back when Bobby Jones was playing is a, is a lot of cash. Yeah, it's a heap of cash. Nah, yeah, so uh, boys, if Patino, uh, if he's still looking for a job, just remember, Kennard's hire is hiring big. <laughs> There's roles to suit everyone, including a 29-year-old Portuguese striker who doesn't play for United. Uh, all he has to do is go to visit Kennard's hire. .co.nz. These are my headlines, boys. Nice, nice work, Kez. Now, promotions in play and hundreds of sports markets to choose from. You can visit tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. It is time uh, for Quizzy Mitch. If you want to take on the Mitch Master, you can win yourself a $50 bonus bet with the TAB. Give us a call now, 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepaid plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. This is how you do it. Quizzy, that come play it. This is how we do it. Quizzy, that come play it. Quiz is on the line. Just one at a time. Don't Google a lie. Phone a friend, you'll be fine. Just listen for the signs. TAB with the prize. 50 bucks if you're wise. If you're wrong, and then we'll say goodbye. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Quizzy, they come play it. Quizzy, they come play it. 0800 150 811. Now give us a call. Absolutely, give us a go. Call on the Kennards Hire phone line 0800 150 811 to get into your chance to win a $50 bonus bet thanks to the TAB. Well, this morning I got a majority of these questions wrong. Ricardo <laughs> got every single one right. So... Yeah, if you get them wrong, you like me. If you get them right, you like Ricardo. So we're going to crack into it. Lemmy, how are you, mate? Oh, jeez. 
First up, mate. Yeah, well, I'll try and delay it so I can be third or fourth. Third or fourth. I think Zade's away. I think Zade's on holiday. (laughs) 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 Oh, give me a flight like that. Oh, sweet ass. I'll let you go in, sweet ass. Nah, you'll be sweet, mate. You'll be sweet. Like I said, Ricardo got them all right. Uh, so there's obviously a few football questions in here. Which US <laughs> team did Pele play over 60 games for? Oh, God. Um, no, all the, all the one I know is the Galaxy. Uh, Galaxy? Uh, what's oh. Galaxy? Unfortunately, stay on the line, mate. It's this time of year where, where there's a few less callers for Quizzy Dags. So stay on the line. You might get that third or fourth spot. Uh, we'll move on to Luke. Luke, how are you? I'm good. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, good. Do you know what US team, football team, Pelé used to play over 60 games for? New York. He did, indeed. Uh, New York Cosmos. Off to a good start there, Luke. Cracking on to question number two. Stephen Adams recorded 23 rebounds against the Kings yesterday in NBA. Which pick was Stephen Adams drafted in 2013? Oh, can you get a clue? It's the number on his jersey. Oh. Nah, I'll just go 11. Oh, that wasn't a bad stab. Stay on the line, Luke. You might get another crack at it. Uh, Ed, how are you? Hey, good morning. Do you know this one, mate? What draft? Yeah, go for it. Oh, that was a bloody good guess. Educated guess, was it? Nah, man. <laughs> love, love it, bro. Yeah, he was outstanding. He scored 11 points last night against the Kings. 23 rebounds. He's a rebound machine, is Stephen Adams. Which team sits above the Breakers on the NBL ladder? Breakers are second, by the way. Oh, the Kings? It is. It is. Well, I got that one right. I got that one right. Yeah, Kez is trying to say Thanks that he's... Clue, uh, man. Yeah, Kez is trying to say that he's like helped people with that question. <laughs> I just got help, didn't I? Yeah, you did, <laughs> you did yeah, mate. You, you did. did. Uh, the women's singles uh, at the twenty. Uh, sorry, who won the women's singles at the twenty twenty ASB Classic? Um, that was um the women's sister Serena. It was indeed. It was Nicely indeed. Done. Well, this one I didn't get. This one. Ricardo got this. This is good sports knowledge. Which city do the Flames represent in the NHL? It's uh, hockey. It is hockey. Way to go, um, Ricardo. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Okay, um, okay, Flames. Um, I have no idea. One. Hard luck, bro. Hard luck. We'll go back to Lammy, do we? Lammy, you are getting that full spot, mate. Oh, no, the Flames. Oh, do I have a clue or no? Uh, they're in the... <laughs> they're in the NHL. <laughs> 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 their, their, logo, their logo's got flames on it. <laughs> Gotta have to give oh, you the right, countdown. Three. Oh, I, I really don't know, so I'll just go... One. New York. Nah, no, bro. Lucky. Luke, Luke, you're back in. You're back in. Luke's had time to Google this now. <laughs> Calgary Flames. (laughs) (laughs) 
Beautiful. Quick fingers, quick fingers. Well done, Luke. Well done. You get that $50 bonus bet thanks to the TAB. Uh, There's a bit of sport on today. We've got the Bills first, uh, Bengals a little bit later. Uh, Ricardo's got some money on Brentford. Liverpool, who uh, Brentford's just gone up. Yeah, one one Yeah. Have you got any thoughts on uh, what you're going to put that money on, mate? Oh, I'm loving all the racing around at the moment. So uh, I think I'll have a go at Roxburgh tomorrow. Roxburgh, any tips? Or, or are you one of those Roxburgh. ones who keeps it close to his chest? <laughs> uh, I haven't done my research yet, but uh, we'll, get, we'll get into it tomorrow. Beautiful. Right. Awesome, good Luke. Stuff, Thanks, mate. mate. Uh, well, how good's that? Yeah. $50 bonus bet to Lukey. Well done, mate. Uh, and uh, we'll have another $50 TAB uh, bonus bet to give away tomorrow. Promotions in play and hundreds of sports markets to choose from. Visit tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. They were having a look at that Brentford goal. Uh, there was a suspected handball in the lead-up, but uh, no, they couldn't No, find no, it. it was, Rick. Yeah. It, it was handball. <laughs> clear. Clear as day. Maradona-esque. Yeah, but for some reason, VAR didn't see it, and so it is 1-0 uh, to Brentford over Liverpool currently, and I'll keep repeating that scoreline so long as Brentford lead uh, throughout the morning. And uh, we've got a, actually a full range, uh, full full round of Premier League um, underway. This is the first game of the second round of the week. So I think there's another half a dozen games tomorrow. Uh, Matt Reid is going to join us a little bit later on in the show uh, to review the Liverpool game and talk about some of the other games that are coming our way as well. Um, Kez, you got something for us? I'm I'm really interested for you to ask Matt as well. Obviously, like you've just said, this is pretty much the second round within mm. a week. Like I'm really interested to know how much of an impact this is going to have on these Premier League guys, especially the ones that have been to the World Cup. Because yep. we obviously missed those games when the Queen passed away. Uh, there's been so many times where matches have had to be rescheduled. This uh, Premier League schedule, it's got to be full on, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's really, really tight. And I, I said at the time, when they postponed a round of games for the um, when the Queen passed away, I thought it was a mistake, given it was World Cup year. And they didn't have to do it. Like, they were given the option. Rugby didn't do it. Um, other sports over there didn't do it. But the football decided they were going to do it. Um, and it, they ended up, I think, basically suspending two rounds. Um, because of that, and it was just crazy because they've now got a backlog of games, and you end up with situations like this where you've got 20 games of Premier League football in one week, um, and then this weekend you've got the FA Cup third round, which is the first round that all the FA, uh, all the Premier League teams are in it as well. Might be a bit too sort of looking in too much into it here, but for the likes of Brentford and these sort of uh, teams outside the top six in the Premier League, I it feels to me that it favours them a lot more in a way because a lot of their players haven't been to the World Cup necessarily. They've been resting, recovering, training during the World Cup period. And while they have all these games, it's going to come down to depth. And I feel like a lot of these top six teams with the guys who have been playing football for the last month nonstop at the World Cup and that guitar heat, you know, they want to come back to the Premier League, get straight back into it. That could be why Brentford are leading 1-0. Well, well, it could be. I've got a thought. Yeah. I reckon just the, just that long period of time at the World Cup with no shagging and no no drinking's probably <laughs> <laughs> they're probably making up for some time. Yeah, potentially, potentially. Um, Mitch, with all the 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 athletes' perspective on this, um, I like it. I like it. Um, well, I mean, the other thing I would say on that, Kez, is that those teams, the you know the top six teams you talk about that have got the bigger budgets, tend to have deeper squads. Mm. So I think it just levels the playing field a bit. Yeah, it yeah. does. It truly does. Rick, one one last question, and it's a mm. yes or no. I don't want you to put too much thought into it. Sure. Arsenal, that's, that's, did they win the league? No. Fair enough. That's all. 
yeah, there you go. I, putting not much thought into something is one of my strengths. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you've played to my strengths on that one. Uh, actually, Matt Reed just mes- messaged me uh, as well, Mitch. So just just so you've got got this uh, down. When I said to him, I said, "Oh, look, mate, I'm I'm, I'm hosting uh, breakfast with Mitch McLennigan, you know, the former Black Caps fast bowler." He said, "Excellent. You can tell him that I had him in my fantasy World Cup team a few years back, and he did really well for me." So there you go. He, yeah. oh, that sounds like Matt Perfect. Reed owes you a beer. That's what that sounds or like. F- or a few. <laughs> or a few beers, depending how, just how stay well off you did. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, but Matt Reed is going to join us a little bit later on to talk Premier League football around uh, 9.40. Coming up after 7 o'clock, though, we're going to get into it uh, with Zach Cox from NESN in Boston. And we're going to talk NFL. We're going to talk Vikings, Packers. We're going to talk his Pats. We're going to talk our Raiders. We're going to talk the worst record in Super uh, Super Bowl champion history and a whole bunch of other things as well. Do that next here on SENZ. Mitch and Ricardo for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. HoganMobile.co.nz This is Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. o'clock here on SENZ Breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Coming up between now and 10 o'clock, we're going to talk NFL shortly. Uh, We're going to talk to uh, Zach Cox out of Boston about uh, the latest round of the NFL and how things are looking with, I think, one round left of uh, regular season to go. Who's in, who's out, and uh, what those games yesterday, those results yesterday uh, meant, plus the big game coming up today as well. We're also going to talk uh, to Sam Lane from the Vantage Black Sticks as well as they prepare for the FIH Hockey Men's World Cup. That's coming up at around a 20 to 8. After 8 o'clock, David Choate joins us, former All-White. We're going to talk Wellington Phoenix with him. We might even get a take on his uh, beloved Chelsea. At 20 to 9, Stephen McIver joins us. Uh, we're going to talk tennis, the ASB Classic, of course, Venus Williams uh, beating a player half her age yesterday, 42-year-old beating a 21-year-old. Mike Hesson, former Black Caps coach, is with us after 9 as well. We'll talk the test match. We'll catch up with Louis Herman Watt and Matt Reed on EPL as well. Right now, though, we head to Boston to catch up with NESN's Zach Cox. G'day, Zach. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, our pleasure, man. Thanks uh, thanks for coming on. And I've got to start with your pats. Uh, I mean, I don't think I've seen a tighter race uh, in any division in the NFL for a long time than, than what we've got going on uh, in the NFC East at the moment, man. It is absolutely packed. Yeah, the the Patriots have really put themselves in a position to, to sneak into the playoffs next weekend if they can get a win uh, in Buffalo, and even if they lose that game, there's still a way uh, that they could potentially get in if if some other teams around the conference lose as well. It's a a bit of an unfamiliar situation 
for Patriots fans these last couple of years because they're used to uh, the Tom Brady era where the Patriots are competing for Super Bowls and championships pretty much every season. Uh, this current Patriots team isn't really on that level. They're just trying to get into the playoffs at all. Uh, and, and they had some pretty devastating losses uh, over the last couple of weeks to uh, to the Raiders and, and the, the Bengals. But they were able to take care of business yesterday against the Dolphins and, and put themselves in a kind of win-and-you're-in situation this weekend in Buffalo. Yeah, it was a really good win, actually, 23-21 over a toolless uh, Miami Dolphins. Uh, that being said, uh, three of your starting cornerbacks are out. I mean, how, how did they go about shutting down Hill and Waddle? Yeah, it, it was uh, a, a pretty interesting game plan for the Patriots because, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, three of their top four cornerbacks in this game w- were unavailable, out injured. Uh, Jalen Mills, Jack Jones, and Marcus Jones, all of them uh, impact players this season. So uh, rather than really stressing kind of the the deepest, lowest parts of that cornerback depth chart, uh, they actually chose to just play a lot more safeties uh, than they typically do in this game uh safety is probably the patriots best and deepest overall position group uh and to combat those injuries at cornerback they basically just decided uh to play all four of their safeties for for a large portion of this game play a really kind of conservative defensive game plan just really aimed at not letting those guys hill and waddle get behind them for a 50 60 70 yard touchdown and uh, even though both of those guys did make a couple of plays uh, and the dolphins were able to keep this game close despite not having uh, their starting quarterback. Uh, the Patriots were able to do enough to uh, to limit those players and, and really prevent uh, the Dolphins from, from hitting on any of those just massive chunk big plays uh, that have really kind of been the hallmark of their offense this season. So uh, it was a pretty prof- pretty impressive performance, uh, rather, for a team that, that was re- without some of their key guys. Well, Zach Stain on the defense, Kyle Dunner recorded his third defensive touchdown of the season. Uh, geez, they've been impressive in offense as well, haven't they? Yeah, yeah he, he's been a monster this season. He's uh, uh, He probably pr- should have been a pro bowler. Uh, he probably would have been if he hadn't missed uh, a couple of games earlier on in the season. Uh, but yes, three defensive touchdowns for him. That's the first time a Patriots defender uh, has done that since 1970. Uh, and the Patriots defense overall just seems to be finding its way into the end zone pretty much every week. Uh, they have seven defensive touchdowns on the season now, one of them in each of their last four games. Uh, last time an NFL team did that was way back in 2002. Uh, and with the the state that their offense has been in, for much of this season where it's really been a struggle for them to, to kind of score points the conventional way they've really needed this defense uh, to be the, the kind of playmaking force that it has been uh, it. A lot of Patriots fans are kind of grumbling about the fact that even if this offense was average or, or slightly better, this might be a team that could truly compete for a, for a, a conference championship or even a Super Bowl potentially. That's not where they're at right now, but this defense is uh, has certainly been helping them, uh, and it's been one of the better units in the entire NFL. One of the units that is letting the Pats down at the moment is the special teams. Uh, on the kicking front, they haven't been great uh, pretty much all season. Uh, they're really going to have to be on their game against the Bills this weekend. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And whenever you play a game in a place like Buffalo, you never know what the uh, the weather implications are going to be like. The, the Patriots played a game up there last season where there were about 
50 to 60 mile an hour winds going on uh, for much of the game. They basically just decided to not even pass the ball uh, for, for much of that game. They only threw three passes uh, and that obviously affects the kicking game as well. Uh, it's been, been a bit of a uh, uneven season on special teams. I would say for the Patriots, they lost their punter uh, to an injury uh, about six, seven weeks back. Jake Bailey, he's been back practicing, uh, hasn't made it back onto the roster yet. So we'll see whether he's able to get back out there this weekend. Um, uh, Nick Folk, their kicker, has continued to be uh, generally effective and consistent, but he did miss an extra point uh, in yesterday's game. I think he had two misses in the game before, too. So uh, in a for a team like this, where, where the margins are, are pretty slim, uh, they're not a team that could, that's going to go out uh, and hang 35 points on you and win easily. Patriots need to, I think, tighten up a couple of those uh a couple of those kicking, punting, returning special teams areas uh, because a, a mistake there could really cost them against the Bills. Zach, one of the questions that was raised when Tom Brady left the Patriots was, we're going to find out, was the great Tom Brady or was the great Bill Belichick? Um, it feels like we know that Tom Brady is a great. Where are you at with Bill Belichick as a coach? I mean, would would a great coach have turned this Pat side around without Brady anyway? Yeah, it's so difficult to to kind of parse through that debate, which obviously people have been having in New England for, for 20 years and probably will continue to have for, for another 20, 30, 40 years beyond that. Uh, I think where I sit is that both player or both Belichick and Brady needed each other to get to the level that they have gotten to. Uh, I don't think Tom Brady would have been the greatest quarterback of all time if he hadn't been paired with Bill Belichick. And I don't think Bill Belichick would have been arguably the greatest coach of all time if he didn't have Tom Brady. Uh, it's kind of a cop-out answer, I know. But uh, so far, the uh, the kind of scoreboard between the two of them has definitely tilted more toward Brady since they split a couple of years back. Obviously, Tom Brady has the one Super Bowl, uh, even though his season this season has not gone particularly well. He will be uh, at the very least back in the playoffs. And the Patriots have not won a playoff game since Tom Brady left. Uh, and there's still a lot of questions about kind of when they will ever get back to that level. So it's certainly been advantage Brady lately. Uh, but I think overall, it, it's hard to really say, oh, this guy was the reason, not the other one, just because they're they have to be so linked from the time they spent together. Well, I, I know this is uh, in danger of being an, an exclusively AFC East chat, but I, I, do, I do have to ask you about the Dolphins. They're, they're on a, a five-game losing streak. Um, how much do you think the Dolphins are going to look back at the head injury to Toa earlier in the season and think, man, we should have handled this differently? I think they have to, uh, especially because just the way that the whole season shook out with Tua. You had the, the head injury early on in the year. You had the second concussion one week later that sidelined him for a couple of weeks. Uh, and then obviously you had the third one uh, last weekend. And for a guy that you and the Dolphins and Dolphins fans right now expect to be their long-term franchise quarterback, that's a scary situation from even beyond a football standpoint and a there are only a certain number of injuries like that that a player can withstand before he has to just simply stop playing football. Uh, it doesn't sound like Tua is at that point just yet, but uh, it, it's definitely a scary situation for a player who should be coming into his prime in the next two or three years 
Um, but you never know then uh, with these kind of injury situations. And just overall, this Dolphins team has really kind of fallen apart. Uh, they looked like one of the best teams in the AFC uh, about a month and a half ago, and now they've lost five straight. Sounds like they're going to be down to their third-string quarterback uh, for their final game of the regular season against the Jets this weekend. Uh, they need to win and have some stuff go right for them in, in other games, including the Patriots losing to even get into the playoffs. Uh, yeah, it's really been kind of a, a fall from grace for them over the last uh, six, seven weeks. Uh, I still think their future is bright. I like Mike McDaniel, their head coach. But yeah, things haven't turned out the way that a lot of uh, Miami fans were expecting about a month ago. Well, you can you can blame, if you speak to any Miami fans, you can blame it on our afternoon team. They uh, <laughs> cursed and beaved. They decided that that was the team they were going to follow this year. So they've probably put the cur- curse on it. Um, uh, jinx them. Jinx, <laughs> jinx them. them. Definitely the jinx of the afternoon team. Uh, look, uh, this afternoon we've got the Bills against uh, Bengals, um, our time here, 2.30. I, I was wondering, is there anyone outside the Bills, the Bengals, the Chiefs, or the Eagles that you think might make a run at, at winning potentially the Super Bowl this year? Uh, those do seem to be the, uh, the the clear favorites, especially in the AFC, those three teams that you mentioned. Uh, I think I would have a difficult time envisioning anybody beyond Kansas City, Buffalo, or Cincinnati making a run to the Super Bowl. Maybe you say Baltimore if Lamar Jackson gets healthy. Maybe you say the Chargers with the talent that they have. Uh, but both of those teams have been pretty inconsistent and seem to be a, a pretty clear level below uh, those top three. Uh, over in the NFC, I do like San Francisco. Uh, I know they've they've they're down to a a seventh round rookie quarterback, but Brock Purdy has been playing great lately. Uh, they may have the best defense in the entire NFL. Uh, they have Christian McCaffrey. They have Debo Samuel. They have a lot of talent there. Uh, and then you never know with Tom Brady. Uh, I don't think the Bucs are going to make a, a magical run to the Super Bowl this year. But if they win one or two games and end up back in the, the NFC championship game, uh, I wouldn't be shocked just based on uh, the track record that he's been able to put together over the last two and a half decades. The, uh, you mentioned the Chargers. Of course, they, they got up yesterday and beat, and beat the Rams, uh, the defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, boy, that hasn't gone well, has it? No, no, it has not at all. I think they're that's a team that's really been destroyed by some injuries, especially on the offensive line. Uh, they haven't been able to protect their quarterbacks at all this year, regardless of, of who those quarterbacks have been. Uh, and they've been without Matthew Stafford now for the last several weeks. Uh, yeah, it's basically we haven't seen this kind of full-blown disaster type season from a defending Super Bowl champion and as long as I can remember, I believe they're on pace to finish with the worst record ever by a team that had won the Super Bowl just one year earlier. Uh, and with them, it's it's a tough situation because they really ha- have kind of adopted a strategy of they don't care about draft picks. They don't care about young players. They just want kind of ready-made veterans who can compete for a Super Bowl right now. That's great when you win the Super Bowl, but when you don't and you have to maybe rebuild a little bit, then it could be a, a bit of a difficult situation for them. So they're going to be a really interesting team to watch uh, over the la- over the next couple of years. But yeah, it certainly has not been uh, the year that Sean McVay and, and his team were hoping for. 
Talking to Zach Cox here on SEN Morning with Mitch and Ricardo. Uh, just talking a bit of NFL. Um, look, there was an incident uh, with Kevon Thibodeau where he sacked Nick Foles and Nick Foles ends up writhing on the ground and uh, Kevon is doing a snow angel next to him. Um, look, it's it's actually erupted on Reddit. Everyone seems to think it's like a dog act, uh, really disgusting. What's your take on it? Yeah, I think it's something that... Uh, uh, Maybe his coaches and some of the the veterans in that Giants locker room will probably have a, a talking to him about that. Uh, he's a young player. He's a rookie. Uh, I think it was kind of a bad look. Just if Nick Foles isn't hurt on the play, then cool. Yeah, do do whatever. I'm, I'm not I'm not the kind of guy that's uh, against celebrating in football or anything like that. But it, it was it was pretty clear that that he was in. Uh, not in the the best kind of physical condition at that point from from an injury perspective. I think when you see something like that, you maybe have to to tone down the celebration a little bit. And I'm sure you'll have some some experienced players in the Giants locker room saying, "Hey, Kevon, I, I get your passion. Uh, I like it, but." Maybe let's react to this a little bit differently next time. I guess the, the question is how aware was he of, of how injured Nick Foles was? But it did, it did remind me, and I don't know if you follow the UFC at all, Zach, but it did remind me of Jorge Masvidal when he knocked out Ben Askren with that flying knee in the first two seconds of their fight. Yep. Yeah, I, I do remember that. I'm not a, uh, I don't follow UFC super closely, but that was definitely one that, uh, that crossed on my radar for sure. Um, I just want to touch on the Steelers as well, just quickly, because obviously for the Steelers to make the playoffs, the Bills will need need to beat your Patriots. Uh, but how how crazy is it that just one guy starting coming back from injury, TJ Watts, um, can get the Steelers on a run six and two when they were two and six early in the season? It just shows how important he is to to everything that they do in Pittsburgh. You saw how disruptive he was for the first game or two this season, then he got hurt and everything basically completely fell apart for them. Uh, I think they had some other issues on that roster and uh, other areas where, where they probably don't have as much talent as they would like right now. Uh, but yeah, it shows losing him and then getting him back the, the really kind of stark change in how they were able to compete. Uh, that just shows that he is one of the uh, premier top defensive players in the NFL uh, it certainly helped them also that, that Kenny Pickett, their rookie quarterback, is starting to show some uh, uh, some signs of promise in these last couple of weeks. It was a bit of a, a slog for him earlier this season, but led a pretty impressive uh, game-winning drive against the Ravens last night to keep them in playoff contention. Uh, most likely, they will not get in. They need a lot to go right for them, probably mm. the most of any of these final um, these final three AFC contenders here, but the fact that they have been able to even get in that mix after the, I believe they started two and six on the season um, is definitely something that I was not expecting. I thought we'd be writing off the the Steelers months ago, and and they're still in the mix with one week to go. Well, it wouldn't be um, Izzy Dag's breakfast show without us talking a little bit of rugby. Little Birdie Brian, our producer, says that you play halfback for Charles River RFC. Uh, I do. Yeah, I, I'm a. Uh, borderline retirement at this point uh, i'm getting a little old and the uh, the body doesn't recover uh quite as well as it used to but yeah i picked it up in uh in college um up in new hampshire i uh, played football growing up and, and i kind of found it about i don't know 
10, 10, 15 years ago at this point and been playing ever since been trying to uh, keep the career going as long as I can. Uh, I know it's uh, pretty exciting that we're going to get a, a rugby world cup over here in about, uh, I think eight years. I think it's 2031. Uh, we've got a pretty uh, thriving professional league now. Finally, for the first time, there's a team uh, in Boston, the free Jacks that I follow pretty closely. So yeah, exciting times for, for rugby in the U S even though, uh, we we failed to make the uh, this year's World Cup. We lost to Portugal on that uh, last second kick. That was not uh, that was not great. But yeah, no, it's a uh, it's a great sport and I love it. I'm hoping to uh, get over to uh, your guys' side of the pond at some point and catch a game. Yeah, man, and let us know when you come down. We'll definitely look after you, Zach. I was going to say, you know, the Major League Rugby does seem to be going strength to strength. There's a lot of expats over there playing as well. But uh, the USA Eagles, you mentioned, you know, they didn't didn't make the, the World Cup for this year. Uh, where is US rugby at, do you think, at the moment? It's kind of at a, a crossroads, I think, uh, because they reached a point uh, it was whatever the first year that the uh, that sevens went into the Olympics. I think it was 2016. Uh, as soon as that was announced, they kind of had a decision of of where they wanted to allocate their resources. They didn't have enough talent and resources to really compete in 15s and in sevens. So they really just said, all right, we're going to go all in on the sevens program if the 15s program wins, great, but we're not really going to focus on it. Uh, and that was a successful push. They had a lot of success on the seven circuit. They were up to number two in the world. I believe it was 2018 or 2019, right before COVID. Uh, they had a really impressive kind of group of players uh, that were together for a while. And now that's sort of faded. And now with the World Cup here, coming here on the horizon within the next decade or so, they're now in a position where they have to build up that 15s program, which is a lot more difficult to do. Uh, I would say just because in sevens, you can kind of, you can grab an ex football player, an ex track guy, coach him up for three or four weeks and he can be playing for the national team. If he's talented enough uh, in 15s, that's a lot more difficult to, uh, to pull off. So yeah, I think they have a lot of work to do uh, as, as 2031 comes up. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Hey, uh, just before we let you go, Zach, uh, who did you model your game off as a halfback? Who's your favorite player? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I was I always liked uh, Connor Murray uh, over for Ireland. I'm uh, I got some Irish heritage, so well you're in uh, Boston. Always, Everybody's got Irish heritage in yeah. Boston, right? <laughs> Everyone's got Irish heritage. Yeah, I was out at the uh, the game at Soldier Field uh, against the All Blacks back in uh, was that, that that first win that they had in a hundred years. So that was uh, that was an exciting one for me. But uh, I, I'm a little taller than than usual uh, scrum half, so. I don't see a lot of uh, six foot one guys playing my position. It's mostly uh, <laughs> mostly people who are about six inches shorter than me. So I have to uh, uh, kind of look in some unusual spots. Yeah, yeah, good stuff, Zach. Hey, listen, man, it's been great chatting to you. Uh, go well. Uh, enjoy the rest of the NFL season. And like I said, next time you're uh, you're down this way, looking to watch a game of footy, let us know, and uh, we'll make sure we look after you. Absolutely. Sounds great, guys. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Zach Cox there with NESN in Boston talking NFL. We're going to talk more NFL uh, shortly and uh, got a few clips for you to play as well as as Mitch goes uh, to the whiteboard and and shows us a few X's and O's. Uh, Update on the halftime score. Uh, Brentford 2, Liverpool 0. Brentford have actually had another two goals ruled off for offside as well. It's been one-way traffic. We'll get Kez's breakdown of that later. Protein Co-Range and Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepaid plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. There's a little frustration here as you 
Watch oh, Jefferson. And then Jefferson's so mad. Oh, elbow right to the back of the ref. He did not like that one. Watch. Accidental. Ooh. That's a good that thing was, he put on the brakes. He's, the good thing he wasn't looking at yeah. it. That, that was <laughs> Justin Jefferson. That was uh, ugly. It was. It, it was accidental. So mm. basically what he what he did is he uh, was frustrated with the play started to take his helmet off before the play was actually completed. The referee got in front of him, and he's gone to throw his helmet in his hand, like elbows down, and the refs ended up being in front of him at right the time when he brought, brought the helmet down. But it's the first time I've seen a, a ref being contacted with a helmet before on yeah, the field. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I, he was lucky not to get ejected, really. Yeah, I, yeah Even it though was. it was accidental. I mean, I think the ref took it pretty well. Yeah, he did, and and the frustration was that Jefferson had basically one catch the whole game. Yeah, um, you know, so a lot of frustration. Obviously, he tried to say that it wasn't because they were playing grass, but he said he does prefer the turf of their home ground, oh, the Vikings play. So yeah. oh, it sounds like a half excuse to me. Uh, fascinating. We talked about the San Diego 49ers up over our Raiders. Uh, you had some good stats on the Raiders quarterback. Yeah, the young Raiders quarterback. So the basic the Raiders have have benched Derek Carr for the season. Season, which is suggesting to everybody that they're going to trade Derek Carr in mm. the in the off season. So Jarrett Stidham um, stood in, and he had a fantastic game uh, from Raiders' point of view. I mean, we took the 49ers to overtime. I lost that game in overtime. It took them to overtime. Uh, Jarrett Stidham threw for the most passing yards of any Raiders quarterback making their first career start ever. That's incredible. Eh? It's one of those situations where you're just in a position where uh, you can't lose, right? Mm. You've got two games at the yep. end of the season. The attack's been a little bit low. That's why Derek Carr's been you know, put on the bench and, yep. and you know, he went hell for leather. The, the awesome story was Purdy on the other side, who's in his fourth NFL start. He's had four wins from four starts. He's only the fifth rookie quarterback all time to, to go have four out of his first four starts winning. Uh, I, my question to you mm-hmm. is, do you know who has the longest winning streak as a rookie quarterback? Hmm, the obvious one would be to say Tom Brady, but... Uh, I don't, Tom Brady I've, sat on the bench his first year as yes, a rookie. So, so not him then. Um, I don't know, mate. Who who was it? Uh, put me out of my misery. Big Ben. Big Ben. Big Ben. Ben Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger. Yeah, for for the Steelers, he went on a fifteen match winning streak. Actually, losing to Zach Cox's uh, Patriots in two thousand and four in the Super Bowl final. So wow. that's why he is such a such a hero for Steelers fans around the world. And well. The other interesting one we spoke mm. about, uh, the Bucks. they've won the NFC South. Yeah, they hit Hubbard now laterals back to nowhere. Ball is still loose on the ground. Still loose on the ground, and now there's a scrum, and that's going to be that. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are division winners going to the playoffs. Yeah, they beat the Panthers thirty to twenty four. If they hadn't won that, the Panthers would be sitting pretty. They would be. They would be actually. They would be. Yeah. So well, they've clinched it with an eight and eight record. Yeah, which is, <laughs> which is uh, still one game to go. So they can yeah. still have a losing record. I mean, yep. it's been pretty poor for the Bucks this season, mm. and it's hard to see them doing anything post postseason. Yeah, Zach touched on it. He said you never count them out, but yeah, they don't really seem like a, a massive threat leading into the playoffs, but. It's, it's going to be a fascinating uh, little end to the season, really. There's so many games, so many ways it can fall. Like I said, the Steelers need a few things to go their way. Uh, so do the Packers. But uh, the, the game this afternoon is the game that I'm really looking forward to. This Bills versus Cincinnati, the Bengals, you know, top two in the division. Uh, I think it's going to be an absolute 
barnstormer, blockbuster both, of, of both a game. massive winning records. Yeah. So I think I mentioned earlier, I think the, the Bills are on a six-game winning streak and the uh, Bengals are on a seven-game winning streak. So it's the most uh, 25 game win- wins in a season is the most by any team playing on Monday Night Football. So it's the immovable object versus the unstoppable force. Something has to give. Oh, I think there's a, there's a lot of lot to like about Burrows, right? I think he's obviously Allen as well. So I'm just really excited to see. It's really going to be interesting to see how it sets up for the playoffs. It will be. And, you know, the interesting thing too is that last season, at the beginning of last season, if you'd said to somebody that the Bengals were going to make the Super Bowl, nobody would have believed you, right? Um, and they sort of came from nowhere to do that. Mm. Yet they're set up a lot better than the Rams who we've seen have completely shat the bed. Yep, that's true. And everyone was tipping the Bills to, to make the Super Bowl, if not win the Super Bowl this year as well. So it is a blockbuster of a game. Yeah, and, you, and, you, and you've got the Kansas City Chiefs sitting in the AFC. Might have something to say about it as well. So uh, it's going it's going to be good. It's, a, it's been a great NFL season. It's been harder to pick than a broken nose, as the saying goes. Um, we are going to uh, get away to a break shortly. When we come back, though, we are going to talk hockey because we have a, uh, a Vantage Blacksticks are involved in a World Cup. Uh, we're going to talk to Sam Lane before 8 o'clock. Up next though, Kez with the headlines. NZ app today. Shop the Chemist Warehouse Boxing Day sale and find up to half price off Swiss vitamins. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepay plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Thirty-six minutes past seven here on SENZ. You're listening to Breakfast with Ricardo and Mitch. Captain K here, bringing you some seven thirty headlines. Thank you to Gal Gal fueling your mission all year round. One man that is going to have his mission uh, fueled by Gal, hopefully, is uh, Rally Star Hayden Patton, the good man. Uh, we caught up with him last week on the run home. So head to uh, the SENZ app or wherever you get your podcasts uh, and catch up with our chat with Hayden Patton last week. He's actually uh, heading to Invercargill to line up for the Super Sprint Motorsport New Zealand Championship which kicks off on the 20th of January. So huge result uh, for Kiwi Motorsport fans obviously getting to tune in and watch the great man Hayden Patton go around the track. Rick, I've got one for you again. I know we're talking a lot of football today and we talked about Ronaldo's salary uh, mm. with new club Al Nasser in Saudi Arabia. He's on his way there now. We saw uh, a video go up uh, that he posted this morning of him on his Big old private jet, of course. Ronaldo's got one of them heading uh, over to Saudi Arabia to go attend uh, his first training with Al Nasser. Highest paid footballers right now. Alyssa just came out, and just to clarify, this is in USD. I thought I'd take it from five to one. Okay. Because number five is is really surprising to me. Who's number five? Andres Iniesta. Oh, really? So he's still knocking about in Vassal. I think that's Kobe oh, yeah, in, yeah. in the Japanese league. But per year, 
No bonuses, straight off contract. Iniesta, who I, I believe is 37, 38 now. Must be, yeah. Still knocking about. Barcelona legend is earning $31 million a year. Fourth place is Neymar with 37, Messi with 41, Mbappe with 63. So a massive checkbook for PSG, yeah. who may I mention lost yesterday, which is always, which is always love, a great result. Love, love to see it. Uh, and obviously at number one is Cristiano Ronaldo, who comes in at $214 million just. Off Cristiano wages who? a week. Yeah. Ronaldo. <laughs> Ronaldo. 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 Sue. No, uh, but, oh, geez, I won't do that ever again. No. But no, I just I thought that was really interesting, Rick, that uh, PSG, three out of the top five players. Mate, surely we've got to, like, this is, this is now the time where financial fair play, they really have to have a sit down and look at it. Super yeah. teams and super teams in football. What are your opinions on it, Rick? Ah, uh, I mean, it's been done before. Real Madrid used to do it. They had the, the they used to have the, what they call these. Um, uh, the, basically, it was called the Galaxy of Stars. Mm-hmm. Is what the they called the Galacticos. Yeah, uh, the Spanish term for it, and and it kind of worked for them. But Man know, City did as well. Yeah, well, Man City have done it. Yeah, I mean, and it all comes back down to how you how you manage your books because the thing that Man City did. Is they weren't uh, they they were going to be in trouble with financial fair play, right? And then they sold the rights, the naming rights to the Etihad Stadium, which is owned by the people that own Manchester City, and they were basically get paying Peter to pay Paul. If you, you're robbing uh, pay Peter to pay Paul, if you know what I mean. Mm. So they were taking money off one of their own companies to put into one of their other companies, so that the balance sheet looked better because the deal for Eddie had uh, to own the naming rights for that that stadium was the biggest in football history, the biggest ever naming rights by a long way. So basically, they did it entirely just to get their books in the black for mm. financial fair play. Uh, they closed that loophole. Now you for that they can't do it. You can't. To spend money from one company you own to another company you own to do it. Um, so I, I think it needs looking 67. at... £67.5 million pounds per year. Yeah. So that's a couple of good players, isn't it? Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. I mean, so, yeah, I, I, I'm i not a fan. I'm not a fan of it, but um, uh, basically there's not a lot UEFA can do because they've tried to do Man City. They've tried to do PSG in the past for financial fair play. They've taken it every time. They've taken it to the Court of Arbitration for Sport in, in Europe, and they've basically found it's an anti-competitive rule and they rule against it. Mm. Well, Kylian Mbappe pretty much owns the club, so I think they'll take that up with him <laughs> next. Uh, those are my headlines, boys. Liverpool uh, have just scored, so now uh, it's 10-0 to Liverpool in the Premier League. No, it's not. They're still trailing 2-1 to Brentford in the 50th minute just past there. But uh, those are the headlines. I'll keep you in the loop with uh, Ronaldo's uh, private jet journey to Saudi Arabia, <laughs> which is fuelled by Gal, who are fueling everyone's mission. Pop into your local for some good value. Fuel, visit gal.nz. 19 away from Eight when we come back, we're going to talk hockey with Sam Lane. Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepaid plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. It's a quarter to eight here on Mitch and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ. And uh, Vantage windows and doors are right behind the Vantage Black Sticks as they get ready for their World Cup. And from the Vantage Black Sticks, Sam Lane joins us. G'day, Sam. How you doing? Good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on, mate. You guys, um, I guess, must be in camp now. The World Cup, your first game is on the 14th of Jan, not too far away. When do you, when do you jet out? Yes, yeah, so we're back to training now. We've just had a little bit of time off for a Christmas break and um, New Year's, although we've been given all our fitness programs to do over that time. But, um, 
yeah, back to training today, and then we jet out on the um, morning of the fifth. Sam, are you one of those guys who actually does the fitness program? I've had a couple of <laughs> athletes I've played with in the past who have sent through times that are almost world record pace. Uh, are you one of those diligent ones who goes about it the right way? Yeah, um, prob- uh, yeah, I always make sure I try to try to keep up with it all. Um, now the guys have been good. We've got um, usually boys that are on um, Strava or some of these tracking apps that um, you get no leeway these days. Well, geez, I'm glad that wasn't around when I was around. Uh, Look, Sam, uh, let's go back to the start of your career. Let's find out who Sam Lane is. Um, 2016, you made your test debut against Australia in the Trans-Tasman Series. That third test match, you guys ended up beating Australia. You must have been thinking, geez, this international hockey thing's a bit easy, beating Australia in your third game. (laughs) Yeah, that's sure exactly how I felt. Um, No, it was very, um, yeah, I think at that time it was just kind of just... um, yeah, just just kind of happy to be there and happy to let um, others kind of shine and, and then put myself in a position or, uh, also of me showing my strengths. Um, but yeah, back then, uh, we had a very new team. Um, you know, we had like eight debutants and mm. I'm sure they were pretty similar. So I think in the back of our minds, we kind of knew that as well. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a great moment for New Zealand hockey to realise there's some depth um, within our squads. I was going to say, is there, you know, when it comes to Australia and New Zealand, it comes to sports, you know, cricket is is one, and I'd imagine, given how good they are internationally, hockey is another. Going into a game like that with eight debutants, is it almost an advantage because you don't have that baggage of, you know, sort of having been on the end of a couple of hidings from them in the past? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think in a sport where Australia has dominated, you know, pretty significantly. Um, yeah, I think that is that part. Um, there's no doubt that, you know, in the junior stuff, they're also pretty dominant as well. So you always kind of know what to expect. But, yeah, I guess, you know, when we're playing at home as well, a lot of debutants, there's a lot of excitement. So there's probably a lot of just um, focusing on ourselves rather than even on the opposition um, and when it gets to those stages. And you can... I know when I've played probably at my best games is I don't even really um, think too much about the opposition. But yeah, I think, you know, I probably I would say they would have a um, pretty big influence back then. Sam, um, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. 2017, um, Kong Games is, is a big tournament for, for hockey athletes, obviously the Olympics and the World Champs, which you're about to embark on. Uh, but just before that, you ended up doing your knee. And I've watched the video, mate. It looked pretty innocuous. It must have been a pretty frustrating time for you, 2017. Yeah, that was um, yeah, a really strange period of my life. I think, um, yeah, that was yeah, a complete kind of freak incident that just you know happens when just about to make a movement for a ball. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, extremely frustrating period and, you know, I had to be quite resilient and patient in, in what I was doing. But, um, you know, and as I've said before many times, it was one of the best things that's happened to me because it forced me to, um, you know, delve into a you know, pretty uncertain period that, um, you know, I've, I've only benefited, benefited from since. Um, but, yeah, completely freak incident and... Um, you know, um, going to the Com Games this year made sure that I appreciated it so much more. During those types of periods, I always find this super interesting athlete being through a few injuries. You always seem to have those few couple of people who stick around and help you through those periods. Um, who really helped you? Who really uh, was there for you to rely on throughout those tough times? 
Um, oh, my family were were huge. I was living with um, I was living with my sister at the time as well. So um, yeah, that was great help. Um, and then yeah, whenever I had surgeries or or any sort of um, yes, a few setbacks, my parents were also fly away as well. So yeah, there were lots of people around and. Probably also the biggest ones was actually still being able to go in and out of the environment. Um, so yeah, all the always keeping in touch with the guys and um, yeah, um, yeah, they were pretty yeah pretty awesome as well. But yeah, also all our staff and and whatnot at that time um, were really good and were pretty actionable when it when it counted. Sam, I'm looking at your group for the World Cup. Um, you got the Dutch, who are obviously going to be, uh, you know, um, a, a real challenge. They're they're a very good side. Then you got Malaysia, you got Chile as well. I mean, I look at that and think we're probably second favourites in the group. Um, how do you guys see the group? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I yeah, I'd completely agree with that, and I think that would be like that on paper. Um, Malaysia are improving by the day and. Um, starting to threaten us with their world ranking, but um, I'd still see that as a as a game we should win. Chile, we should win, and the Dutch. You know, we're going in in that match with complete underdog status, and I think we've always matched up really well against them. Um, but yeah, um, these days I'm pretty lucky that I get to play against those guys week in week out um, in the in the Holland League um, with Sean Finlay. So. When I see when I kind of see their team at the moment as well, I see a huge opportunity for us to um, you know try a few new things and, and yeah we've really got nothing to lose in that match and to top our pool would be um, would, would go a long way for the uh, remainder of the tournament. That draw, um, are, you, are you quite happy with the draw? You got Chile first up, then the Dutch, and then you finish with Malaysia. I mean, um, the the approach to the Chile game is that going to be about like trying to put as many in the net as you can, help your goal difference. And, I mean. You know, in case you end up drawing with the Malaysians, and that ends up being a you know something that splits you guys. Yeah, oh, I I think if um, I think probably naturally when I first saw the draw, I was probably thinking that exact scenario. However, I think um, you know it's so easy just to get um, a little bit distracted by all that, and you know especially as a striker when I'm thinking too many too, too much about scoring goals and. It becomes a bit more forceful and doesn't quite happen how you like to think it. And then those games are quite um, difficult to play. Um, I think actually with Chile, they they will be um, they will be a bit of a random team, and often those teams can be a little bit dangerous. So, but to have them first up is probably I think probably an advantage. Um, but yeah, for sure we have to put the teams away that we should beat um, convincingly. I mean, and then yeah, we'll take it game by game. But um, yeah, we're all pretty we're all pretty pumped to play all of them, but yeah, especially the Dutch and and Malaysia to finish it off. Sam, um, talking about the Dutch game, uh, how you said you've played with a lot of them in the Dutch league. How much input do the coaching staff uh, let you guys have into any game plans? It sounds like you've got a lot of knowledge to share with the coaching staff around how strategies that might actually give you guys an advantage against them in this World Cup. Oh, it's probably. It's probably more just conversations we have at our club about a few specific players um, and just noticing trends. Um, because over there we get that week, that week's build up for the weekend games, whereas here mm. this is tournament. So we're doing our homework now, and um, for me, just playing in their systems. Um, and when we look at video here now, analysing the Dutch, I've probably got a lot more 
knowledge as to what they're trying to achieve. Um, things that my club has done against um, some of their systems that um, have worked against oppositions and also what hasn't worked. Um, I'm also pretty lucky I've got the goalie of the Dutch team and he tells me quite a lot about some individuals. <laughs> and, you know, he went a bit mute after we drew them at, in, in our pool play. So, yes, uh, there's a few specific things, but I've also had other guys who have played in the league as well previously. And so they, um, yeah, they, they, they also can relate quite well as well. Yeah, nice, Sam. Nice. Hey, yeah, uh, I, I did. I had to had to finish with this, mate, because I did notice uh, when I was doing some research here that you're uh, a proud Tamukian uh, from Tamuka. I know one other Tamukian, a mate of mine, Richard Jones, who on his first tour of Auckland when I was showing him around because he'd never been here before. Uh, every time I showed him something impressive, he went, "Nothing impresses me. I'm from Tamuka." Um, uh, how easily impressed are you? By by Auckland, <laughs> well, by anything. It couldn't get Jonesy to be impressed by a thing, mate. He's from Tamuka. Nothing impresses him, apparently. Oh yeah, I'd have to say probably yeah, one of the world's greatest towns. Um, I probably am impressed by a few things, but yeah, doing doing what I'm doing at the moment, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, <laughs> not really too well to answer that one. <laughs> mate, you're 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 impressing me by being at the World Cup with the uh, with the Vantage Black Sticks, mate. Go well. Uh, have a safe flight over there, and and good luck at the tournament. We'll be supporting you from back here. No, thank you very much for your time. Cheers. Uh, Sam Lane there with us. Uh, Vantage Windows and Doors right behind the Vantage Black Sticks on their journey to the FIH Hockey Men's World Cup. Make sure you check out The Journey Begins Here, the podcast that the Black Sticks have done with Kirsty Stanway. You can find that podcast on the SCNZ podcast page. There are chats there with Sam Lane and others from the Vantage Black Sticks as well. We're going to talk Wellington Phoenix up next with David Cho. like Emma Twig and Zoe Sadowski Sinnott, I catch up with athletes past and present, along with those doing great work off the field. It's open, honest and good fun with some amazing women. Join us for a great yarn on Trailblazers, Sundays at 10am and on demand on the SENZ app. Shop the Chemist Warehouse Boxing Day sale and get half price off the Bondi Protein Co range. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepay plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. I want to tell you a story about the house when blue. I come home one Friday I had to tell the landlady I done lost my job. She said, that don't confront me as long as I get my money next Friday. Now next Friday I come, I didn't get the rent and out the door I went. So I goes to the landlady. I said, you let me slide. I have the rent for it or more the next day I don't know. So, so let me slide it on, you know, people. I notice when I come home in the evening. She ain't got nothing nice to say to me. But for five years, she was so nice. Know what she would love her it. I come home one particular evening. The landlady said, you got the rent money yet? I said, no, 
Can't find no job, therefore I ain't got no money to pay the rent. She said, I don't believe you're trying to find no job. Said, I seen you today, you were standing on a corner. Up uh, a couple of minutes past 8 o'clock, still 2-1. Brentford lead Liverpool, about 20 minutes left in that one in the live Premier League game this morning. Uh, we're going to talk to David Choate shortly about the Phoenix after their 3-1 loss to Melbourne City yesterday. We'll also get his take on how Natalie Lawrence's women's side are going in the Liberty A-League as well. Also, Stephen McIver is going to join us this hour. He's part of the Sky commentary crew for the tennis, the ASB Classic. We saw Venus Williams progress last night. Erin Routliff, uh, our number one uh, doubles player, unfortunately went out in the first round as well last night. We'll talk to Stephen about that and a few other things as well. After nine o'clock, former Black Caps coach Mike Hesson is going to join us. We'll talk uh, the IPL auction, we'll talk the test in Pakistan and a few other things. We'll have a love racing update from Louis Herman Watt and Matt Reid is going to talk Premier League with us as well uh, before 10 o'clock. All of that and more to come. Yesterday, it was a double header at the Caketon. We saw the A-League Liberty women's team, uh, Phoenix team, in action. They took on Western Sydney Wanderers. That game finished in a one-all draw, the first point for the Phoenix this season. Uh, what's been a disappointing start for them. I think they expected to uh, to be flying this season, and uh, with some of the signings they've made, hasn't quite happened as yet. And then we saw the men kick off against Melbourne City. Melbourne City leading the A-League at the moment. Uh, stacked full of guys who've been part of that Socceroos team as well. There was three of them across the front line that had been part of the Socceroos team uh, that played at the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. And uh, boy, Jamie McLaren made the most of it. He has now scored nine games in a row, which is an A-League record. He broke that record yesterday, and he has only eight goals off the all-time leading goal scorer in the A-League as well. So uh, they will talk to uh, David Choate, former All White, about that. He's also part of our commentary team here at SCNZ for the Phoenix Games. Uh, G'day, Choate. How are you? Yeah, good. <laughs> um, watching Liverpool just chase Brentford at the moment. So, yeah, wall to wall football, you know the story. Yeah, I do, mate. See, it's interesting, actually. Uh, Klopp made three changes at half time. One of them, Virgil van Dijk, got benched. Yeah, yeah. I think there was an injury they're saying. He, he, stra- he strapped his thigh, apparently. So, okay. allegedly, in yeah. Allegedly injury cover. Yeah. Allegedly, allegedly. These these mid table scraps are always interesting to watch. <laughs> Liverpool fans will love you for that, eh? <laughs> <laughs> There's one in the studio, mate. There's one in the studio. So uh, I, I got the eye roll from Kez. Uh, don't you worry. Uh, but I uh, got Mitch McLennigan in here with us as well, Chody. And uh, you know, yesterday was a it was a big opportunity for people of Wellington and people from around the country in the holidays to get out, get down to Wellington uh, State Sky Stadium, and and support the Phoenix with that uh, that big double header on. Uh, crowd was probably a little bit on the light side, I would have thought. Yeah, they've struggled with crowds so far. Um, the weather was too good in Wellington. Wellingtonians, if uh, the sun comes out, they head to the beach. doesn't matter how warm it is. But uh, it, it, it's a bit of a ghost town around this time of year. But, uh, gee, the football was good enough, though. Uh, they got uh, those who did turn up. I think it was about six and a half, wasn't it? Uh, they, um, they got their entertainment, their money's worth. Yeah, they did, mate. Um, well, let's start with the ladies. Of course, they got a, their first point of the season against Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, they're without probably five or six players would probably be in their first choice 11. Uh, how, have you, how have you rated how Natalie Lawrence has done this season after taking over from Gemma? 
It's been a real battle for them. Um, they're a work in progress, a team that was sort of stuck together last year for the first time. They're now sort of starting to establish themselves. They need their frontline players back. There's no question about that. But they did well yesterday. I mean, uh, both teams looking for their first points for their campaign, so they shared the spoils in the end. Um, reasonably entertaining. And, and again, it's about just building this women's side. Uh, we've got plenty of women's football coming up this year. Um, so uh, it's about building the women's game at this stage, and they're doing a good job. Yeah, well, hopefully it's not too far away before we see Lily and Paige, etc., back out there and we can uh, have the best team running around and hopefully they can climb that ladder. Because I know talking to Natalie, uh, you know, the the talk was before the season with Betsy Hassett coming in, you know, a bit more experience uh, through the team member Rolston as well, that they were looking at a playoff spot. They're a long way off that just yet, so they've got a bit of work to do. Yeah, they they are. And look, they rely so heavily. Betsy Hassett, um, what a machine. She runs all day. She's uh, She's got some engine. Um, but uh, they do rely on those one or two players pretty heavily, and uh, I think getting their best side on the park is uh, their way forward. Now, we saw the men uh, take on Melbourne City yesterday as well, mate. Uh, it was a great game. Uh, boy, uh, I, I, I got to the end of that game and c- couldn't quite figure out how it had finished 3-1 to Melbourne City. Yeah, wasteful in front of goal. That's the story, isn't it? Uh, Melbourne City, the top of the table, the benchmark, they're setting the pace. Um, the Phoenix on the day, should have won for mine. Uh, their, their chances that they created were better. They didn't dominate the ball or anything like that. I thought Melbourne City were pretty tidy on the ball, but they limited their chances to the Phoenix, and uh, even the goal they gave away was a pretty pretty poor piece of play by Crowley to give away a penalty. It was a penalty, stone walk, so no problem with the, the decision of the referee, but just wasteful in front of goals. Any other day, I think Zavada could have had a hat-trick easily. Yeah, well, I was just going to touch on that, David. Um, Zawada, the Polish international signing for the Phoenix, he's come in. Uh, Ricardo's given me a really good rundown on it. He believes that he could have scored all three of those clear headers in the box. Uh, what I want to know is that do you expect more from your international signing and do you think Ricardo actually would have scored? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the second part of the question is a massive call, but uh, why not? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was certainly good enough. I think actually Ricardo would have scored the one where he robbed the keeper. I'm not sure that Ricardo would have robbed the keeper, but he definitely would have put away the, the finish. That was uh, the easiest of chances. Zavada shouldn't be short on confidence. He's come into the game with goals. Um, he started pretty sort of uh, poor in front of goal. I thought, gee, has he got goals in him? Then he's got three, I think, and four. Um, he should have had uh, plenty yesterday, had plenty of chances. The one I mentioned was an absolute uh, sitter, which he just sort of fluffed his lines, hurried his, hurried his shot when he had more time than he, than he should. Yeah, you expect better from your, uh, your international players. I think it's fair to say uh, international um, spots should be for players who have the kind of quality to put those chances away. Um, so Zavada will be reflecting this morning on a, on a pretty poor return for a player who's better than that. Yeah, I mean, those. Uh, there was, I mean, you're right, the, where, where he robbed the uh, the goalkeeper, should have, should have put that away, but there were also two or three opportunities where he had, he was almost unmarked and had free headers in the box. Um, if the keeper saves those, you know, fair enough, but uh, a couple of them he didn't even get on target, and I, I couldn't help but thinking, oh, I've, I'm pretty sure I've seen Hamish Watson put those sort of chances away for Team Wellington back in the day. Yeah, you would. Um, they, they were good chances, good headed chances, and he's a great build, Zavada. He should be doing better than that. He's a, he's a nice sort of size for a striker. Gets got there in plenty of time, and he's just steering them wide. One in particular, he put past the post um, with um, really the goal wide at his mercy. Um, the other one, he got up and he got his timing a bit wrong, I think, and, and you've seen that happen plenty of times. But when it's sort of multiple times, he'll be uh, 
he'll be the guy hanging his head in shame this morning, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, what about the rest of the team? It all seems to be functioning uh, pretty well. Uh, the the way that uh, Ufuk had them set up yesterday, I was actually is interested to hear Piney's call on it, uh, talking about how um, Jan Sass and Krajev had kind of gone a bit quiet, particularly in the second half. But really what happened is they ended up going inside and it was all on the fullbacks, wasn't it? You know, it was, it was particularly Callan Elliott. I thought he, he, he had a great game yesterday. Yeah, the fullbacks did really well. They attacked well down the flanks. I do like um, Lewis and Yukarkovic in the middle of the park. They're looking sound. The international spots, I'd say Kryev and Sass, you really want more out of them. They did go quiet and sort of fell out of the game for uh, sort of 20-minute periods, which you really can't afford to happen. Um, I think the side is playing well enough to win games. If you look at the table, they're, they're sitting outside the sixth. They've scored plenty of goals. In fact, I think they've scored the second most in the league. I think 18 and conceded 18. But 18 goals conceded is way too many. I think that's the highest in the league. Um, so their their defensive um, setup obviously needs some work in terms of stopping conceding those goals. And even yesterday, they did keep Melbourne away from goal. Remember, this is a Melbourne City side that everyone says is the best in the league. Well, the Phoenix looked as good as them for long periods of the match, I thought. Yeah, a bit of, like you say, a bit of work on the defensive side for Ufuk Tele this week. Um, speaking of Ufuk, he has put his name into the hat for the All Whites job, one of five who have gone forward. Look, we've seen it in the past with Ricky Herbert being in charge of the Wellington Phoenix and also the All Whites. Do you think he's he's the man to take over that role or, or do you think it's too much of a conflict of interest? Oh, no, I don't have a problem with the conflict of interest. The always job is um, the kind of job where they play in fits and starts, and I think you can manage that, particularly if the A-League uh, respect the FIFA windows. Ricky Herbert uh, did it back in the day and uh, managed to qualify for a World Cup, so history's uh, anything to go by. It can work. I don't have a problem with that. I think they've had the interviews, or are certainly in the process of having the interviews. Uh, Talley would have to be a serious contender. I think Buckingham's the other, Des Buckingham's the other, name in the hat that rings sort of pretty strong in terms of uh, favourites tags. So I think Ufik and Buckingham, the two of them, uh, would be the people for the job. You know, uh, between one or two of those shouts, I think you've got yourself a decent a decent coach for the All Whites. Yeah, 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 it's a good call actually. Uh, that Holly, uh, I was going to say that Hollywood front three, but I, I, I mean, that Melbourne City front three, it is pretty Hollywood, pretty star uh, started, isn't it? Um, and Marcus Tilio went really well. They had, uh, you know, he's keeping Andrew Naboo on the bench, um, and then of course Jamie McLaren setting that record yesterday. Uh, I mean, it's hard at the moment to see anybody g- getting past Melbourne City, isn't it? Yeah, they do. The, they look like the best. The best going around. Thing you like about the front three, they're sort of a, a really varied attack. Tilio's good with his ball at feet. He's a dribbler. He gets at people. He won the penalty dribbling into the box, so he's got that sort of game to him. Uh, McLaren's got goals everywhere um, he's played and just continues to smash records. He'll continue to do that, you know, subject to fitness. And Leckie obviously uh, is a uh, an international player back from a World Cup and getting amongst the goals. So they are. They are a good side, uh, Melbourne City, there's no doubt about that. But I think the most encouraging thing about yesterday from the Phoenix's perspective is they can go toe-to-toe with them in the areas of the park. Probably that front third is where Melbourne City shade not only the Phoenix but most other sides in the A-League. What about uh, in terms of um, depth now that Ben Wayne has gone to Plymouth? Uh, do you expect the Phoenix to, to make any more signings or is it just Oscar Van Haddam, your next cab off the rank, you're going to get more opportunities? suspect that's the case. Um, just a word on that, Ben Wayne thing. I think that's a fantastic ad for what the Phoenix and the A-League are all about. Um, 
Ben Wayne cut his teeth with him. He wasn't actually getting game time. The internationals were taking the, the front three spots off him. He would have been useful yesterday, by the way, but that's not important. I think the most important thing is that Ben Wayne's got to further his career uh, in the UK, where he'll be get in the window and he'll get a chance to sort of see if he really has got what it takes. So I think it's a really good move from both uh, the Wellington Phoenix's perspective, but for Ben Wayne himself personally. So I think that works well. I think the Phoenix go with Oscar Van Haddam and they say, OK, here's a chance for the next young cab off the rank to have a go. Talley's done uh, particularly well giving young guys games and getting them into this A-League. So I think that's one of his strengths, giving young players a chance at it. Ben Old's the other guy who will get more game time. He was out injured yesterday, but they expect him back shortly. So a couple of young Kiwis are looking good. Yeah, which is great to see. Great to see uh, young Kiwis coming through. Certainly probably doesn't do uh, Ufuk Talley's chances of getting the all job any harm either that he's promoting young Kiwis. Yeah, exactly. I, I think he's got a good understanding of... Uh, of the game here in New Zealand, and he's, he's, he's clearly proving that a good young Kiwi player, if he's good enough uh, to start in the A-League, he'll be pretty close to international level. Hey, just by the way, Brentford have gone up 3-1, so that'll make them frown in the, uh, <laughs> in the studio. Kez uh, is guy. not even looking at me now. He's just uh, he's turned away. Oh, he'd be disgusted. He'd be disgusted. There is a, there's an inquiry going on. They, they, there might be a VAR in it, but... Anyway, that was just an aside. Yeah, nice, mate. Hey, actually, before we let you go, Chody, uh, uh, you're a dyed-in-the-wool Chelsea man. Uh, where are you on yep. Graham Potter? Oh, look, Chelsea are ordinary at the moment. Um, and look, Graham Potter, I think he was, um, you know, suited to a club like Brentford where... Uh, sorry, Brentford. Brighton. Uh, Brighton, where, Brighton, where he was... Um, where he was more likely to sort of be um, the underdog most weeks. He comes with uh, to a club with huge expectation. Chelsea this season will be doing well, I think, to finish top six, not top four. Um, I don't think they've got top four. And then Potter will be given plenty of resources to, to, to sign players. So it's a big call for Chelsea. Usually we go for the big managers with the big names. Potter's not that. Um, but that's what the uh, new ownership clearly wants. They want to try and build... Uh, from the sort of boardroom, and I think that's why Potter's got the job, to be fair. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he goes forward um, because the way things are at the moment, I was looking at some stats around um, your fullbacks and Ben Chilwell uh, particularly um, when he starts. I think when when Ben Chilwell starts, Chelsea win something like 80% of their games, and when he doesn't, they win 36%. And I think the stats yep. are very similar for uh, for Reese James on the other side as well, who's now out injured. Yeah, that hasn't helped. Definitely James and Chilwell just changed the game for uh, for Chelsea. They get forward so well, and both of them can score goals. So when you've got sort of those overlapping wingbacks, you can score goals. It's uh, it's definitely a plus. But uh, for some reason, Chelsea just can't get their front third going properly. They haven't had a striker since Didier Drogba, really. Um, I, I don't think they've ever really replaced it. There's been people come and go. Giroud's been there. Clearly, they're good players. But that's the Achilles heel, I think, for, for Chelsea is getting themselves a striker who's 20 goals a season sort of uh, regular. Mm, yeah, well, I think everybody's looking for one of those. Chody, I think everyone's looking for one of yeah, those, yeah. mate. I mean, I, yeah. I've got to say, uh, I don't know if you play Fantasy Premier League, but I, I, I kind of put Yang in my team because I thought you don't have any other strikers. He's going to play every week, and he's been off the bench the last two and done nothing. Yeah, and Aubameyang was signed by Tuchel, wasn't he? I just wonder if he's not Graham Potter's man. Obamian came with a bit of baggage in terms of attitude, and he apparently a, a, a bit of a harder player to manage. I think Tuch, he was Tuchel's last signing, I think. Um, and I think that maybe he thought he could manage him, and it just doesn't seem that uh, Obamian is going to get much game time. He doesn't seem to be the starting player that uh, maybe 
Tuchel could have made of him. No, indeed. All right, Chody. Um, mate, thanks very much for coming on. I hope 23 has been pretty good to you so far. Mate, the year started uh, reasonably well. Not on the football front. None of my football sides are winning, but uh, we, I've got plenty of football to watch, So uh, and Liverpool are losing. So for me, being a Chelsea fan, I don't mind that. Yeah, no, that's all right. I'm with you on that front. I'm with you on that front, mate. Uh, good stuff, Jody. Go well. Uh, enjoy the rest of the summer. I eh? will catch up with you soon. Yeah, thanks, fellas. Cheers. Uh, David Choke there, former All-White talking Wellington Phoenix and his uh, Chelsea as well. 3-1, Brentford lead Liverpool. Three minutes plus stoppage time in that one. We'll update that score for you after this. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepaid plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. 8.22 here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Uh, six minutes at a time in the Brentford-Liverpool game. It is still 3-1 to Brentford. Uh, we are two minutes into that six minutes of added time and Brentford on attack at the moment uh, and in possession. So we'll keep you up to date with that score as it progresses. But uh, interesting, um, Mitch, the darts, we've got uh, the PDC World Champs on at the moment and uh, we're going to get Big Ben um, uh, in to have a chat to us tomorrow actually and, and, and preview the final. But uh, yeah, Michael Van Gerwen, the world number one, uh, sorry, not Michael Van Gerwen, sorry, Gerwen Price, the world number one, the, 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 uh, the Welshman, uh, he has been getting a lot of stick from the fans, right? Been getting a lot of stick. Mm. So he came out yesterday in his game uh, against, I think he's a Belgian guy that he was playing, and uh, he had these earmuff-looking things on, but I think they were like they were noise cancelling, but they also had music playing, so he could he could count the crowd out. Yeah, yeah. I think so. He came out wearing them, and then they, he would turn around in the crowd. And he could obviously see the crowd giving him stick, and he's just like cupping his ears to them, and like you know, sort of doing like shrugging his shoulders at them and stuff. He ended up losing five-one in that game and getting knocked out in the quarterfinals. Um, he then went uh, and had a bit of a sock, mate, it's got to be said. Uh, he closed all his social media accounts down. Sheesh. And he said that he may never play the Alley Pally again. Wow, that's massive. Yeah. So what have they been getting stuck into him about, do you know? Well, I was I was talking to Ben Francis about this, and it's not really anything. No? <laughs> you know, it's just one of those, because we actually been... Just people um, not wanting them to win? Yeah, basically, I think, oh. you know, it's you know, a bit of the Melbourne Storm type type scenario, yeah, yeah. the Canterbury Crusaders thing. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, Ben and I, Ben does a, a show called At The Oki, a darts show on ECNZ, and we had the opportunity to interview Gerwin Price a while ago, and he was a lovely bloke. He was a really great chat um, and uh, super approachable. Apparently, he had a bit of niggle with Gary Anderson, who was a bit of a fan favourite a few years ago, yeah. and that probably didn't go well. And then he did something. He made some sort of face and gesture um, after messing up uh, a game, and uh, people suggested that he was making fun of the intellectually disabled. Oh, I did read disabled. that. I did read that. Um, and I don't know if that was his intention or not, but that so it's kind of got where it's become the thing to do is to hate Gerwin Price. And yeah, I right. think everybody's just jumped on the bandwagon. Yeah, on that, I do believe he came out and said that he had no idea. No. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I guess it can be, could could be taken that way. Uh, the other interesting thing on the darts is that one of our listeners texted in on the Temper Bedpost text machine yeah. last week. I think it might have been Percy, I think. Uh, but he said, uh, jump on Michael Smith at seven bucks at the time. Yeah. Um, and obviously he's made the final against Clemens. Clemens is an outsider, $3.15. Michael Smith is a dollar. 
7.32. So if you jumped on that $7 when you got the tip, we read yeah. it out on the Temper Bed Post text machine. Uh, geez, you may be making some bank. He's, he's, well, I mean, he's got to win the final, but he's a clear favourite in that matchup. So that's interesting. Also, moving ourselves to a bit of basketball yesterday, your Boston Celtics. Went down to the Denver Nuggets, uh, 123 to 111. Uh, Nikola Jokic uh, with another triple double. Yeah. He had 30 points, 12 rebounds, and 12 assists. He's going great guns, man. And you know, from a Celtics point of view, you, you never like to uh, you never like to lose those games. But 26 and 11 at the moment. And on the flip side, the Bucks, right? Who pr- pretty much the biggest rivals in the East. Uh, no um, Greek freak, Giannis is out with knee soreness at the moment, and they went down to the Wizards, 118.95. They got touched up. They did. Uh, the Wizards got out to a 17-point lead in the first quarter and pretty much held it the whole game. I think they ended up winning by what? Uh, yeah, well, there you go, yeah. 13, 23 points. So, yeah, they got off to a flyer. And then the other game uh, around the grounds uh, was Memphis. Had a had a big win, oh well, ten point win over the Kings yeah. as well. We spoke earlier, Stephen Adams. He had eleven points and twenty three rebounds. Uh, when asked uh, what was going so well with the defense, he just said, "Oh, they're enjoying getting stops, so we don't have to play defense anymore." That's a real <laughs> Stephen Adams thing to say, isn't it? Uh, where do you stand on the uh, MVP race with Jokic? It's, I mean, numbers are hard to argue with, right? Mm. I mean. I know Ja Morant must be close as well. You know, he's star for Memphis. He scored, yep. I think, 35 points, eight rebounds yesterday, and that went over the Kings. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Denver are, um, and Jokic are, are just are just cracking on. I mean, what are they, 24 and 12? They, they lead the West. But, I mean, how tight is the West? From number one down to number five, there's only four games, right? Um, so it's really tight. And then you look over at the East, and... You know, the Celtics still lead that, uh, but there's only four games between them and the 76ers in fifth as well. So both conferences really tight, and it's still anybody's to take out that home advantage. If you want to try and pick this far out? I think the Celtics win the East, and, yeah. I, and I say that not just not because you're a fan. Not just because I'm a fan, but they just look... Can I, can I just, before you go on to yeah. that, can I just say how big a fan you are that you have decided to wear a Celtics singlet into the studio yeah. after they lose? That's a real, like, alpha move. Oh, yeah. Mate, mate I mean, it's why, so we lost one game. How many games do you lose in a season <laughs> when you're playing 82, right? Yeah. And I was still top of the East. But, yeah, I, I, the Bucks. I don't think Giannis is quite where he was. Um, I don't think they're quite where they are. The Nets maybe might come through. The Cavs have got a really good home record, but they're not so great on the road. So I think the East is there for the taking for the uh, for the Celtics. And over in the West, uh, well, you've got two teams in the Grizzlies and the Pelicans who've got a lot of young talent, but I don't know if they've got finals experience. So I, I do wonder whether or not we'll see another late run from someone like the Suns or maybe the Warriors will get get it together and, and we'll end up with one of those two in the final against the, uh, against the Celtics. The Warriors. Huge sitting down in ninth. Yeah, yep. I mean, no Steph Curry at the moment. He's yep. he's out for about a month with a shoulder. But once they get him back, mm. they'll start firing again. They've still got Clay Thompson. You know, they're 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 uh, they're not a bad side even without him. Yeah, their road record is unbelievably bad. Yeah, they don't <laughs> they've won three of sixteen games on the road. Yeah, it's not pretty. It's not pretty on the road. So and it's quite golden, golden, not like Golden State, right? No, nah, yeah, it's, it's funny. And it, going off this because I was I do a bit of punting on the um, NBA uh, the, a little while ago. I don't know what the record is now. A little while ago, the Cavs' home record was fifteen and two, and so I went, "Oh yeah, fifteen and two. And then they were, um, was it them playing the Warriors? No, sorry, it was Toronto were playing the Warriors in Toronto. And as you said, the Warriors 
terrible record. Mm-hmm. So I backed the Raptors. Yep. That was the game War- they lost. The Warriors won by 20. Like, out of nowhere on the road. Uh, oh, yeah, it always stinks up you and bites you. You sound like our afternoon team putting the jinx on, on the Miami Dolphin. <laughs> oy, 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 oy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, there you go. Uh, we're going to talk uh, some uh, tennis shortly. Stephen McIver's going to join us before uh, 9 o'clock as well. He's been a part of the coverage for Sky of the ASB Classic. Uh, we'll get uh, the latest from him before 9. We'll also catch up with what Novak Djokovic has been doing over in Australia and I can tell you full time Brentford 3 Liverpool 1 so Liverpool have uh, have lost a game on the road Brentford imperious at home once again they've only lost once there all season uh, take all three points and move now I think they must move just about level with Liverpool in the Premier League ah there you go Kiz is not happy. He's giving me the dark look. He's telling me to take a break because he wants me to stop talking about it. And it's half past eight here on SCNZ Breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. This studio, or in fact, Stanley Street, is Stephen McIver, part of the Sky Sports coverage of the ASB Classic. G'day, Stephen. How are you? Morning, lads. How are we? Got, got, got me uh, just out of bed, which is a good thing. Ironing, ironing, ironing kit for the day. Are you still in the old uh, robe? I feel like you've been put up in a hotel for this. <laughs> no, just at the just at the estate at St Helens. I'm all good. Yeah, McIver Towers. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, yeah. what, what's what's the dress code? What's the dress code, Stephen? Oh, for me, well, you know, I you know, yeah, she's old, the old slacks and jacket and open neck shirt, you know, chaps. Nothing yeah. like that. Uh, <laughs> Santa Claus pretty relaxed. Santa pretty relaxed. Even even the folk in the uh, the corner boxes are pretty relaxed nowadays. But uh, some of the girls like to dress up and have a good time, which is what the whole sort of return of the classic has been about for me, because it's always been a, a real social event. You know, one of the highlights of this summer for those that are either back in Auckland or coming back for it, because uh, finally international players are back and we've got live tennis with us again, which yesterday was. Um, it was just so good to see. Uh, Mother Nature didn't play ball, uh, but uh, we, we got tennis at least. We got three centre court matches completed mm. on the what was a what they call a twilight session. There's going to be another twilight session today. Uh, just that we had a match last night that uh, wasn't completed between Bernarda Pera and Victoria Kuzmova. That was. Well, what was called called uh, uh, suspended after only forty four minutes, and that was when I was looking at that when I got home because I was bought. Uh, that was about gosh eleven thirty at night. Uh, that's how that's how bad it got. The first match of the day uh, took two hours and forty seven minutes between Madison Bringle and Zhu Lin. Uh, Madison Bringle was the sixth seed, and you know as a seed should have gone through, but it was one of those matches. You went, what is going on here? And it was all over the shop. Uh, she had a chance to win it in the second set. She had a set uh, match point on tiebreak, but Xu uh, Lin from China came back, won the tiebreak 8-6, and then rolled over 6-4. So that was, uh, let's just say that was a, a start where one had to be patient. It started at 3 uh, and ended just before 7 p.m., where normally uh, from tomorrow, uh, the, the day, the night session would start. I think the most impressive performance last night, lads, was, uh, well, there's two, really. Uh, Leila Fernandez, the third seed. She was up against a young 15-year-old called Brenda Fervita, uh, whose sister Linda is also here. 15-year-old, she's won about seven ITF 
titles, which is a, a couple of steps below the WTA Tour, but a real big thing. And she's coached by uh, Patrick Mota, Mora Toglu, who looks after, has looked after the Williams sisters, is going to look after Olga Rune in the men's ATP Tour, part of the Asby Classic next week, and can hit a ball, but was just completely outclassed. And Lala Fernandez, she's only about two foot nothing. Boy, can she bang a ball, and her movement around the court is unbelievable. So as a third seed, she came out with a statement of intent and showed everybody that uh, I'm here to play. Even with the post-match interview, I said, thanks very much. She went, sweet as. <laughs> so she uh, had the career, exactly. She had the crowd in the, the palm of her hand, as did Venus Williams, who at 42 years of age, playing qualifier Katie Volinets, who's 21 years of age, uh, ranked higher than Venus, being at around 113. Uh, Venus sits, by the way, at around 1,000 in the world. Means nothing. She was a wild card. Came home. Had a rain break, but came home, got the first set uh, 7-4, so 7-6 in the tie break, and then steamrolled. They had a rain break sort of just at the beginning of the second set. She was up one zip, then rolled home 6-1, and uh, that was probably the performance of the night from an emotional standpoint. Mm. How far she goes is, is anyone's guess. So it was it was a good old night, particularly with uh, Emma and Lala Fernandez showing what they, they were made of. And you, you can see that even at 42 years of age, uh, Venus Williams can bang. And she really has, she's still got that lovely big double-handed backhand. She's got a big serve still, probably movement around the court. Is, is is the one thing, and I, I'm not and I'm not going to play the age card. She just up against she was up against a young player that was just throwing everything back at her, and she kept she kept defending, as they say. So she did a great a, a great job. But if you want to get excited, today's the day. It is Super Tuesday. No, we're not doing the primary elections or anything like that in America. It is a, a Super Tuesday. First up on Center Court, they're going to complete the Pera Kuzmova match, starting at two o'clock. By the way. And then uh, Emma Raducanu, 2021 US Open champ, takes to the court against the other perverse of a sister, 17-year-old Linda, followed by the number one seed, Coco Goff, against Tatiana Maria. Hang on, wait, there's more, and you don't get steak knives with this one. Sloane Stevens, 2017 US Open champion. They were two seed follows on as match, we'll say match three today, against uh, Rebecca Masarova. And we uh, finish off with the 2020 US, uh, so excuse me, Australian Open champion, Sophia Kennan, a wild card, even uh, having had done all that, ranks sits at, uh, what is she now, sitting around 149 in the world, so which means injury and play, not playing a lot, is where wide the rankings drop. I guess she knew uh, one of China, 21-year-old, so 21-year-old against 24-year-old uh, majors winner. So if that doesn't get you excited, lads, I don't know what will. Oh, great. We've got Stephen McIver here on the on Stephen McIver's breakfast show by the sound of it for the last 10 minutes. Thanks for that, Stephen, making uh, the question asking very easy. Uh, we had Erin uh, Rutliff on yesterday, and she seemed very relaxed before going into a doubles first doubles match, maybe a, perhaps a little bit too relaxed. Uh, no, I think you have to be. I mean, tennis is, tennis is well, the one thing about tennis, uh, it's a grind. It's a total grind. They get about, when you're on the professional tour, you get about you know, three weeks off tops. You know, you might you might even get a day off for Christmas Day. That's how that's how. I mean, some of these uh, players at the classic uh, will have had Christmas Day here, 
and they would have moved on. They would have been and then started hitting balls again and on practice court. So relaxed relax is good to be. Uh, it doesn't mean you're going to win a match, but it means that your, your mental state is, is in a good shape. And tennis is a mental game. It really is a mental game. So... Uh, good on Erin. She's got a she got a she earned a wild card after that qualifying tournament. So mm. unsure when she's playing. If I had my the full schedule on, I'd let, let you know that can't do that right now. Uh, but no, I think Erin um, Erin will give it, give it a nudge. I mean, I think the one slight concern I had was looking at the way Brangle played as the sixth seed. It didn't really look like a sixth seed, right? Mm. But look, this, this, this mate, it's stacked. It is a stacked card. If the weather holds. And that is going to be the a major issue. Nicholas Lamprin, who was the new tournament director, would have been rolling his eyes to the heaven, going, "Oh, what have I, what have I struck here with an outdoor tournament?" And tomorrow, and for a few days after that, uh, the forecast is not great. So you know what's going to happen: the cries for a roof will come again. Yeah. But the cries for a roof have been hanging around for years, and it does change the designation of a tournament if you put a roof on, and as to sort of what's how you what level of tournament you can run. So. Uh, but I, look, I'm I'm a huge fan that they need a roof on or something uh, because you know people pay really good money. They were sellouts. These, these they've sold out these these sessions. There's people wanting tennis, hmm. uh, and you've got to make it accessible. So uh, a, a so, roof would be nice. So thing. can a roof actually put them down in the pecking order for like a major oh, look, tournament? I, I no, well, well, I don't know how much further down they can go because they're actually WA two fifty. You move below that, it's like what they call a tier three tournament. Now, it could, this is not quotable though, <laughs> it could actually uh, put them in a position of having to uh, pay more money, have a, have a higher ranked tournament, and whether or not that can be as affordable is the question. Yeah, right. Okay. But let, hey, let me come back to you on that one. Is that what I'm supposed to say? Yeah, you yeah, do that. Do that. It's a pity they can't just lay some rubber court down in old uh, Spark Arena, mate, and they can just move it there. That'll be the, that'll be the go. Um, Stephen, nah, get... nah, 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 nah. No, that's 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 a horrible idea. Thank you. That's a big barn. It's got the one the one thing that you do have, and it's, it still is one of the rare tournaments in the world where they have sideline catering, and people are really invested in the tennis. That's what uh, one of them one of them said to me, sort of off air yesterday. They they love the fact that New Zealand tennis fans at this tournament are what they would call tennis educated. And I think that's 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 a big feather in the cap for for New Zealand tennis fans. Yeah, that's so huge. So you can put Victor Arena somewhere else, pal, or okay. Spark Arena, whatever you want to call it. Whatever, whatever it's called these days. Yeah, uh, it's interesting <laughs> actually on the weather because my um, my partner was supposed to be taking our daughter out to Piha for four days, uh, starting Wednesday, and they have. Uh, postponed because uh, it's thunderstorms and heavy rain for about the next ten days, according to the long range forecast from Wednesday. Thanks, thanks for that, mate. Yeah, just for just, that. just keeping yeah. you prepped. Hey, it is. Uh, you mentioned it's Super Tuesday, Stephen. You mentioned the open neck shirt. Are you going to have the Man of Steel costume underneath so you can just kind of pull, the, pull pull that open at some point? <laughs> no, the Man of Steel right now is about to go to the uh, chemist warehouse and try and get some stronger um, Voltaren. Working around the house before the start, and I've done my back in, so I'm walking oh. around like an old man. Um, and, I'm in, and I've got these light light versions, and the and Voltaire and light's not doing the job, so I'm going to need something that's stronger. He's, he's going to have to going to have to go stronger again. Um, hey, and Steph- if McLennan brings out the age line, slap him for me. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say a word. I was actually going to ask you about um, you're talking age. I know you, you wanted to park that, but I did think it remarkable that uh, Venus's. Um, 
opponent yesterday was 21, uh, Venus 42. I think uh, I saw the stat. Venus had won three Grand Slams before her opponent was born. Yeah, yeah, and I, I tell you what, Venus Williams is a class act, a totally class act. She's a really hard read on the court because she literally goes into this zone, right? And she, she's got a great poker face. Yet she comes off court having one, and suddenly you're talking to this... <laughs> I know that sounds a bit weird, but it's like talking to this this woman who is just full of life and joy, and you would never have thought that she'd ground out, you know, an hour and a half of tennis uh, to st- to to keep what seems to be this this innate desire and love for tennis going. We- uh, and if I get the chance again, and I should have asked it last night, but I wasn't really, I didn't think it was the place to say, you know, what are you still doing this for? Because you could have gone slipped into the, what are you still doing with it 42 for? And then that would have gone down like a cup of cold sick. You mentioned uh, sideline catering a little bit earlier. What's uh, What's been on the menu? What's tickled your fancy? Mate, I don't know. I, I'm not one of those lucky ones sitting sideline catering. Although I did see some rather nice looking, it looked like pork. I popped up to see a couple of mates who were in who were in the corporates. It looked nice. Hey, put it this way. They do a great job. Mm. Yeah. Obviously, you're not that well connected then, Mitch. <laughs> no, well, I, like, I like the sporting events that where you get hot dogs. So if, uh, if, as long as they've got hot dogs, I'll be there. He's, 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 he's easy pleased. Hey, um, uh, Stephen, Venice's um, opponent last night was uh, her surname. It was Katie Volinets. Um Is Volinets yeah. uh, alongside uh, Tennis Angren the best name in tennis? And can you think of a better name in sport? <laughs> I'm not buying it at this one, mate. <laughs> I am not going there. I did look at Volinets going, hmm, okay, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll play that card, but no, I'm not going there. It's too early in the day, mate. Give me a break. All right, Stephen. Hey, listen, thanks for doing it and getting up for us and, and having a chat. Uh, drive safe to the chemist warehouse. Uh, grab yourself your, your, your Voltar and extra strengths, mate. I hope you get through today all right, and uh, don't forget to take an umbrella. <laughs> You know, the, the thing is, the brolly's stuck in my position, my sort of broadcast position, so it did not hose down soon. So, mm-hmm. lovely lads, uh, it'll be a good day. Super Tuesday, they start Centre Court at uh, 2 p.m., and I think we've got to show that. So, that'll be Centre Courts live on Sky Sport 3, and then Grandstand. Actually, I've got to say it the other way around. Stadium Court is what they call Centre Court. Grandstand's uh, live on Sky Sport 4. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers, thanking you. It's Stephen McIver with us. Uh, thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And, of course, a big part of the Sky uh, coverage as well of that tournament. Watched a bit of that last night. Mitch, in between watching, uh, flicking over between the, t- the cricket and the tennis? Uh, I've, I've got to say I, I didn't because mm. I was I had to, I knew today was going to be about me talking some cricket so mm-hmm. yeah got got stuck into that yeah uh, yeah uh, what I did find yesterday is yeah. that doing some research on pickleball a little bit more afterwards after talking to <laughs> Matt uh, yeah you bring up volley net they have a volley free zone in front of the net so there's like a two or three meter space where you're not allowed to actually volley over the net oh really so you can't smash. That sucks. Yeah. Change that rule. Mate, I might play. Change well, that rule, I might play. <laughs> what was the word McIver used to describe Venus's hitting of the, the ball? Was it she can buff? Was yeah, it she, buff? she can bang. She can bang. Yeah. So she wouldn't be able to bang at the net of a pickleball court. No, she wouldn't. She wouldn't. She won't be playing it. You watch. Uh, 11 and away from nine here on SCNZ. It is a breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. Price off Swiss vitamins. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepay plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Where one of the loudest cheers of the week greets the arrival of a former world number one.
Of course, Novak Djokovic alongside his partner, Vasek Pospisil. Oh, there you go. Seven away from nine o'clock. Novak Djokovic back in Australia. Um, I, I thought he was going to be banned, you know, banned from entering the country for five years, but they managed to repeal that, Mitch. Yeah, well, it was three, wasn't it? It was three, three years of yeah, visa cancel or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess. Look, hey, it's it's. We spoke about it last week with uh, Brett on uh, who's doing the first surf for SNZ now. Oh, Brett, uh, Phillips. Brett Phillips. Yeah, yeah he yeah. he said um, he said it's kind of been brushed under the carpet. It's kind of, everyone's tried to forget that they didn't let him in. No one's brave enough to bring it <laughs> yeah. up at the presser. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he hasn't really touched on it too much either. It's kind of, everyone's like, both sides have kind of just parked it, really, uh, which I find super interesting, right? Mm. I mean, like, at this point, you'd be like, oh, okay, cool. Like, someone's got to say something. Yeah, yeah, you, you surely you'd, you'd have to address I mean, the best thing to do is address it first up, yeah. first press conference, get it out of the way, then yeah. it's not a thing, it's not hanging, it's not the elephant in the room, right? Yep, absolutely, but it was nice to hear a good reception for him on, on, on court last night when he came out. He actually ended up losing that match, didn't he? I mm. think, uh, doubles match uh, Adelaide. Uh, what I did find interesting uh, was listening to, oh, geez, who was I listening to? I was listening to some of the commentary in one of the other games, Mark Woodford. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a really, really, he had a really, really nice story about Novak when he first came to Adelaide. Yeah. Well, well, a really nice story. (laughs) He had a really nice story. Uh, but it's it's hard to get good help in the holidays. <laughs> hey, have you noticed that? Have you, have you noticed that? We got kids. How how you doing, bud? You... So, boys, sorry, we're just running around, Becky. I completely. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, we get, can't see you two in the corner there. Yeah, yeah. You so, disappear around. What were you doing? Well, no, the phone box there it just shut down, and we were just having to reopen it. Oh, okay. The oh. Uh, the computers are frozen, so oh, we just uh, just a little bit of you know just the classic summer jobs. Yeah, oh. uh, Mark Mark Woodbridge, one of the two uh, the Woodies, eh? The two Woodies. It was him and Woodford, Todd, yeah. Todd Woodford. Yeah, uh, Todd Woodbridge and Mark Woodford. Yeah, they used to run around on the double circuit for the Aussies. They were uh, damn good players. We'll get you that clip when Kez has got his um, uh, shit together with the phone box a little <laughs> bit later on, maybe in the next hour. Also, next hour, we're going to talk EPL with Matt Reed. We're going to talk cricket with the former Black Caps coach next, Mike Hesson. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepaid plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Just got nine o'clock here on SENZ. It is breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Coming up this hour, we'll catch up with Louis Herman Watt, get some tips uh, from the racing game with a Love Racing update. We'll catch up with Matt Reed out of the UK to talk EPL as well after Liverpool uh, lost 3-1 at Brentford this morning. There's a bunch of games coming up tomorrow as well. Right now, though, we're talking cricket with former Black Caps uh, coach Mike Hessen. He joins us. G'day, Mike. How are you? Very good, thanks, Ricardo. Yeah, mate, happy New Year to you. Yeah, same to you. Treating you right so far? Yeah, no, so far I've had a good good couple of days, but yeah, nice to uh, nice to be back in the country and enjoying a New Zealand summer. Oh, mate, that's all good. What, what part of the country are you enjoying it in? Have you got a, got away to uh, to a summer spot? I actually spent the days between Christmas and New Year um, up near the place not far from Wanaka. Um, and I've been back in Dunedin a couple of days now. Just a little bit of work to do. So, uh, but yeah, four or five days away, which was great. 
Well, yes, we'll start there, Hess. I know you're pretty involved with uh, with the Otago Vaults. Uh, the last couple of games have been uh, they've played pretty well. It must be good for um, an Otago Knight like yourself to have someone like Dean Foxcroft back playing for the Vaults. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, him obviously getting stuck away from New Zealand, not being able to get a visa to come over, was was pretty huge for, I guess, for his life really. Um, I mean, he, he sort of made a commitment to come over to New Zealand, and then. Uh, as I said, wasn't allowed in the country for a couple of years, and he was pretty much in limbo doing nothing. So really delighted for, for Dean to be able to come back and play the way that he has done, having pretty much missed you know, some competitive cricket for a couple of years. So uh, he looks like he looks an exciting prospect. You know, the fact he's, he's multi-skilled, so, and he's certainly uh, sort of holding that Otago Volts team together. Oh, just on that, before we move away from Otago, because you are an Otago expert, ex-Volts coach as well, um, Jacob Duffy seems to be in really, really good form, um, particularly the last couple of seasons. Do you think it was a l- like a touch hard done by to not be on this test tour? Yeah, I'm, I'm not actually sure what his best form is, to be fair. I'm, I mean, he's a really consistent performer, um, incredibly good with his, with his variations and his, and his death bowling from a white ball perspective. From a red ball point of view, um, yeah, I mean he really swings the new ball as as you know, um, and he and he does reverse it, but he's he's probably not quite quick enough to be able to maximise that reverse that that the guys are getting over in Pakistan. So mm. it could be a bit of a um, a bit of a death nail for guys heading over to Pakistan as seamers uh, in the Test version. But I, I certainly thought he might have got cracking the white ball. Um, the move to to play Henry instead of Wagner um, in this test series, oh sorry, this test, the second test in Karachi. Uh, do you think it's the right move uh, to try and hopefully uh, be able to bowl Pakistan out twice? Look, I actually feel the thoughts for Wags. I mean, he's he's obviously hasn't really played a lot over the last twelve months, and he is a guy that thrives on bowling and he thrives on longer spells, and then he actually gets quicker mm. and almost like his body needs to unwind. So the fact he's had a one-off test, he's He's hardly bowled. Um, he actually, I thought he got better as the test went on. He actually got the ball to start to, to go a little bit in, in those, albeit, three overs in the second innings. But um, they've obviously decided they need a little bit more pace um, in that attack to try and maximise anything on offer. Um, you know, Matt Henry's a good bowler, but he's probably more a seam bowler than anything. But I guess time will tell. But I, I certainly feel for Wags because I think he deserves a longer run. Here's mm. um, uh, the... Um, 200 that Kane scored in the uh, in the first test. Um, how much of that do you put down to him having the pressure of the captaincy off his shoulders? Look, it is hard to quantify, isn't it? We're probably guessing, but I think the the fact he's able to just focus on batting. I mean, you bat for, for 200 runs, you bat for over a day. You need to concentrate, obviously, for long periods of time. And, and when your brain can be filled with other things, um, and it's not like he hasn't done it before when he's been captain, but as I said, over time it does wear you down. And, and I think he will enjoy the next period of, of his test career. The fact he can just focus on his batting, can get into his little bubble, um, and certainly looks like he's helping Tim anyway, as, as he would, and, and you'd expect from all of your senior leaders. Uh, last night we saw another, another informed batsman, Tom Latham, just seems to be keeping on getting better and better with age. Uh, you, you've coached him in the past and watched a lot of cricket of Tom playing. Um, what what's makes Tom such a good test opening batsman? He's very disciplined um, and he trains the way he plays. So he's, he's really clear around how he wants to operate. Um, he, he doesn't have a, a big bat swing. It's just a, a little snap of the wrist. He, like he, he makes really good contact on the ball. So so he doesn't have to go hard at the ball in terms of being able to generate power. So 
from an opening batting point of view, you know, we talk about playing late and playing under your eyes. He can do that and he can generate power. So he's um, he's able to, when they miss, he's able to capitalise. And, and, and he scored at a decent rate along with Devon last night, which sort of got us, you know, slightly or certainly ahead of the game at one point. So, um, look, I think he'll go down as our greatest opening batter by by streaks by the time he's finished because um, he's scored runs and you know all around the world in different conditions and um, he's he keeps things pretty simple and um, he's a, it's again another good sounding board for Tim sort of as the leader of the group so uh, yeah look he's a he's a cracking talent and, and we were lucky to have him lucky to have him when you know New Zealand sort of have always struggled for opening batters and, and he's certainly come and filled that void nicely. Yes, um, I know we've spoken in the past about Henry Nichols' overseas record and how good his record is at home. Last night he, he got presented with his uh, cup for uh, his 50th test. Uh, I want to talk about the positives of Henry Nichols and, and what you have seen him throughout those 50 tests. Yeah, look, he's gone through a couple of challenges. You know, early on in his career, they you know used to nick out a lot and play along beside the ball. Um, you know when the ball bounced when he when he sort of first introduced to to test cricket where the you know the ball and is just that little bit quicker and and the guys get that little bit more steeper bounce so um, he made that transition I mean it was kind of a bit of a turning point for him and then he went on a bit of a run where he got got four hundreds in a season and um, you know he he's he's a fighter he, he takes that aggressive option too I mean even the way he got off the mark yesterday second ball getting down lapping and sweeping so he doesn't let the ball he doesn't let the game uh, drift, uh, and he, he scores. He's quite an unusual player. You know, he scores in areas that are quite hard to defend. Um, not your traditional sort of classical player. So, I, I quite like those self-made guys that you know have, have found a way sort of through domestic cricket. They work out how they want to play the game, and I guess that next challenge, as you, you alluded to, is is it's all very well playing in these conditions. It's how you can adapt to conditions away, and and that's you know that's challenging. Um, for any player, you know, batting in the middle in the subcontinent is, is a tough gig. Hmm. Um, but look, I just, you know, he was always a very good team man. Um, always put the team needs sort of ahead of himself, which is, you know, what we sort of love about, about New Zealand cricketers and, and the fact they are always playing for the team. So, um, yeah, look, he'll go down as a as a really good middle-order player for New Zealand and, you know, scored some, scored some high-quality hundreds. Mm. Uh, it's interesting. I was looking at his his average, particularly his average away from home, um, Mike. It's it, it's not as good as it could be, or as good as you'd probably like from someone coming in it for. I mean, what other options do you think Stead may have looked at? Uh, I, we've talked about maybe Will Young could come in and open, and Devon Conway could play that full role. But uh, what what do you think on that front? Yeah, it's funny. Mitch and I had this this chat a wee while ago. I mean, I'm I'm always a fan of Devon Devon Conway opening. I just think he's especially in the subcontinent. Um, you know, that's where he's had his, his bulk of his runs in test cricket. Um, but he also, it means he doesn't generally have to start against spin, which is probably his one his one weakness. And, and that's what Henry Nichols has to go through, is, is generally starting against spin on the surface that either skids or occasionally just holds and turns. So, uh, look, I think Will Young is a, is a good player as well. I mean, he's personally, I think he's better suited to the middle. Um, he's moved up to the top a couple of years ago and, and did really well in county cricket, which was which was great. Um, and he's earned that opportunity, and he's probably showed his flexibility. You know, I think he's a probably more a tactician. Um, sorry, no, tech, technician actually is the word I'm after. He's he's tactically really good. He's he's got a really sound technique, um, and 
but once again, starting against spin for a guy that hasn't really done it is also going to be a challenge. So I don't think whatever change you make, you, you kind of need to give that person a little bit of time to find his feet hmm. um, starting against spin in the middle. Yeah, you're right. It is is definitely a tough tough position, isn't it? Um, look, looking uh, news coming out yesterday that Adam Milne is going to be missing um, the white ball leg in Pakistan and in India, um, and Blair Tickner is going to replace him. Do you uh, with Milne? Do you feel like he's missed out on an opportunity to really stake his claim before that one day World Cup? Because I, I guess would you be looking for him to play a whole series of back to back games to prove that he can play in the one day format again? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a red flag, isn't it? It's difficult to all of a sudden go, yep, we're going to risk one of our 15 spots on a player who's, you know, struggling to to be able to play back-to-back games. And, I mean, you look at it two ways. You can go, look, Millie's made a, a good call in terms of he said he's not ready. And, and that's, you know, it's not, the, the worst result is he goes over there and he breaks down a game um, and he's not confident in himself. So, you know, probably the right decision is made. It's just difficult, you know, from a selection point of view now, you're going, geez, you know, can we rely on him? We can in T20 because we know he can get through his four overs, but can we rely on him bowling, you know, three to four spells um, within his 10 overs? And, and that's a really tough ask. Um, you know, you like to think that, that he's at a stage in his career where he's probably a little bit more resilient because um, he's been through so many injuries. Uh, and I really hope he is because he's a, you know, he's a fine cricketer and he's a guy who just needs a decent run at it. We've named a, a white ball squad, uh, ODI squads for Pakistan and India. Um, do you, how much can you take from, from the squad that's been named? Do you think this is a shadow squad for the World Cup or do you think there are a few names that aren't there that might be? Oh, look, I think it's also condition-based. I think, um, you know, which we obviously we're going to play the World Cup over there, but I guess they're just trying out a few guys. Um, I mean, Michael Bracewell's got, you know, he, he's... He started off with a real hiss and roar and, and has looked useful, particularly with the ball. And, and I think they need to see something from him with the bat in these conditions. Mm. You know, when you're going to play a couple of spinners, you know, as that backup to, you know, whether they go Satna Sodi um, or whether they look to go Satna Bracewell, um, you know, will kind of depend on the on the balance they want. But Bracewell's got to show more with the bat um, and he's got to show how he can deal with it when guys are coming after him with the ball. Um, yeah, Tickner's an interesting one, and I mean they've they've obviously gone for that enforcer role type of person rather than like a Jacob Duffy. Um, and you know, even when you're bowling quick, you've still got to have a whole heap of control over your length, and and that's my concern with Tickner. And I'm sure they want to see that is whether he can control his length, because um, as you know, Mitch, if you don't control your length over there, it doesn't really matter what pace you bowl, you'll go the distance. So um, that will be interesting. Whereas someone like Duffy. You know, maybe five, four to five k's slower, but a lot more control. Then um, obviously can you know can swing the ball up front and potentially get your wicket. So, um, yeah, interesting. Um, you know, I, I generally like the squad. I mean, I I think New Zealand's one day format at the moment is probably their best. So. Um, yeah, looking forward to a good 12 months. Uh, th- we don't see a lot of Ford Trophy uh, on, on the TV now, so sometimes it's hard to get a gauge on exactly how good um, and what type of players some players are when they come into the environment. But Henry Shipley has been named uh, in this ODI squad. He looks an exciting player out of Canterbury, a, a batting all-rounder who's uh, a big, tall guy who can bowl with a bit of pace as well. What do you make of him, and, and, and who would you sort of compare him to if you had to compare him to anyone? 
Yeah, look, I really like him, and I've liked him for a while. He's, he's had a lot of injuries. He originally was a bowler who batted a bit and then had some injuries and then sort of forced his way back in as a, as a number six batter. He, he's got long levers. I think, like, Cameron Green, I think, is probably yeah. our closest. He's closest to that. Um, you know, he's tall. He bowls from a high action. Um, so he gets good bounce. He's not as quick as, as Cam Green, but he, he certainly yeah, got a, a little delay in his action. Um, and he's got long levers, so he's got good power down the ground. He can play the short ball. Um, so, look, I, I think he's a good prospect, and I think it's a nice it's a nice selection to to look at, you know, another all-rounder. Um, you know, there's a few around the scene, but, uh, you know, Sean Solly is another one who, you know, sort of been on a few A-tours. Um, you know, Shipley's probably slightly quicker um, at my last view of him. Um, you know, very yeah, very different types of players. Mm. Shipley's probably more of a power player. Solly is, you know, even batted towards the top of the order at times. So, um, you know, they're probably after more of that finishing role. So, um, yeah, I think New Zealand have got some coming through. They probably need to just give them some opportunities, and this is obviously a perfect time. Uh, your other, or your main, your main role is director of cricket operations at RCB. Yes, you've just had the IPL auction. Um, are you happy with how your side's shaping up? Yeah, look, we had a really good auction. To be fair, we we didn't enter it with a huge amount of money, and we ended up getting a lot more than we we sort of thought we would. So, um, I guess that's a sign of, you know, you get the players you want. Plus, we we got a, probably a couple of bonus players. So, um, yeah, we were lucky. We we kept sort of eighteen of our twenty five. Uh, we retained, so we were a pretty stable sort of squad, uh, where some other teams had quite a lot of business to do. And she's the first, uh, the first sort of hour of the auction. There was plenty of money spent, and we were sort of just sitting there trying to pump the price up a little bit. So, um, look, it was, it was good. RCB, I think we've got a good squad, but so did, to be fair, so did most teams. You've got Finn Allen uh, with RCB this year. Uh, is he basically? Is has, do you think in the last twelve months since he was with you guys that he's really come on in leaps and bounds? Look, I think he has, and I think we sort of you know always picked him as a talent and and one that we think will evolve and and play a real role for us you know in the future. So you know, hence we we look to retain him. Um, and look, he showed some good signs. I think you know Finn's. Finn's challenge and, and these two tools will be good for him is to just try and find a way of getting past the power play mm. and still playing the same way. I mean, if he can if he can play that aggressive brand and get to the end of the power play, he'll probably be on 50 um, and he's changed the game. So if he can do that a few more times, I think he's done it three times out of 24 or something. Um, and he's, you know, he's got all the shots. It's just a matter of just refining that decision-making a little bit. But boy, he's an exciting talent um, and he's one that, you know, plenty of people around the world are keen to get a hold of because he can change a game so quickly. Another Kiwi we saw in the auction was Kane Williamson. Obviously, uh, Sunrise has let him go, um, but the uh, Titans have picked him up uh, for the uh, next IPL season, uh, although a little bit cheaper than what he was getting paid uh, at Hyderabad. When he retired the cap- or stepped down from the captaincy of the Test team, I, my initial reaction was he's, he's kind of... Uh, done the opposite of what I thought. I thought he should have maybe given away the T20 rather than the, the test. Uh, how do you see him at his age and stage of his career as a, as a T20 player? Yeah, well, I mean, your first point around the captaincy, I think you've got to, you've got to hang on to what you enjoy the most. And, and I think, you know, Kane certainly enjoys captaining in the white form. Um, and as I said, I think, you know, test cricket certainly allows a bit more time, it's a bit more of a slow burn. So, you know, that allows the captain a bit more time to find their feet. So 
that didn't surprise me. Um, look, I guess like we saw Kane, you know, first test match back to a double hundred, I think it'll be nice to see something similar in T20 where he just lets the shackles off and um, and plays the, the way that we know he can because he, he can be quite an expensive player and because he plays such good cricket shots, he can score at a decent rate in most conditions. But we certainly haven't seen that over the last 12, 18 months. And uh, whether that's been, you know, because he's felt the pressure of, you know, being retained as a captain at Sunrises or whether he's just affected by his elbow or whether he just wasn't in great form. Um, probably a combination of all of them, really. But he, we never really saw the best of him in T20 cricket for a while now. Um, and, you know, he played that one innings in the World Cup final in Dubai, uh, which was kind of the way we know he can play. And, and hopefully we can get back to that where even if he gets out, like he's it's almost he's almost tied down by the fear of getting out. And I just love him to just yeah, get rid of those shackles a bit and, and play with a bit of freedom. And, and that'll, actually, that'll actually help the guys around him as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a... a... It's an interesting call that you make there because that that was part of my thinking was that we haven't, you know, if you looked at the last couple of seasons, his averages and his strike rates haven't really been good and uh, good enough, I would have thought. And kind of, I felt one, maybe with his injury that he's had with his elbow that maybe the, the game of T20, the modern game at that IPL level had evolved past him. Look, I, look potentially, but I mean, he, he seems to be back playing again and if you get a double hundred, then... You know, you can obviously hit enough balls for the elbow not to be affected, but mm. it could be the confidence in being able to extend that elbow. Um, I mean, I don't know the, the exact, you know, every every tendinopathy or whatever it is is different. Um, so, yeah, look, I hope not. And as I said, we saw glimpses in that World Cup final a year or so ago uh, where he actually hit those sixes over cover, and you can only really do that if you've got confidence in your body. So, look, I... I yeah, I just hope he, he goes to the IPL, obviously not against RCB, and, and I hope he, he plays really well and, and expansively and, and we see the best of Kane Williamson again because um, I don't think he wants to go out on, you know, scoring less than a run of ball, you know, as a strike rate, especially in the power play. I mean, that's just not him. He's he's such a team player. He, he doesn't want to do that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we, we see some more... Uh, we see some more stroke play from Kane. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think that's what we all want to see, Mike. Hey, listen, really appreciate you coming on today, mate. Uh, always good to chat cricket with you. Um, so much great insight. Really appreciate it. Go well uh, and enjoy uh, the rest of your summer. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Uh, 20 past nine here on Breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo on SENZ. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Our text number, double eight double three, double eight double three. What did you wait uh, what did you make of what Mike Hesson had to say about the Black Caps, the World Cup squad, the test situation, and Kane's future as an IPL player? Let us know. Double eight double three, the Temper Bed Post text machine. And get half price off the INC Sports range. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepay plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ.
9.25 here on SENZ. This is Breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo, thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Our text machine is double eight double three. That is the Temper Bedpost text machine. And just had uh, former Black Caps coach Mike Hesson on talking a few things, including uh, the ODI squad um, that has been named for Pakistan and India. Uh, we talked about the test situation as well, where that's at Kane Williamson too. And uh, we've had a, a text through from Ian uh, Mitch asking, uh, you know, Hess talked about uh, Kane and hoping that we see the best of, of him again at T20 level. How much of a risk do you think it is from the Titans, uh, one of the new franchises in the IPL, um, p- uh, uh, deciding to take Kane at, uh, at auction? Um, well, I guess, I guess to be honest, mate, I think they've picked him up more for like a leadership management type Type role, yeah. I reckon, like, just someone like that to be around the group. They've got Hardik Pandya, who is was his first year as captain, um, did exceptionally well, and now he's going to be the T20 captain of India going forward. So I think potentially what it is is to get a mind like Kane Williamson around the eccentric, um, exciting personality of Hardik Pandya, and see if they can add some of that. Uh, that Kane Williamson-like uh, attitude towards captaincy and staying a little bit calmer in pres- precious situations will help build uh, Hardik's Pandya's uh, captaincy going forward. So I think it's probably more like a captaincy-type pick and hoping that Kane Williamson will go back to what Kane was a few years ago. Yeah, well, it's a leadership thing, I guess, right? And it's, uh, you know, you can you can tap into that, um, you know, from some of the young players you have bringing through, uh, as you said, you know, the young Indian guy that's coming through to coach the Indian T20 team. But they're getting him for a quarter of what Hyderabad paid for him. Um, a I tenth. Spoke- or is, it a, is it a tenth? I thought it was a Oh, quarter. it might be, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I suppose on, on that front, it's a bit of a no-brainer, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it is, It is, mate. Like, look, Kane's made his money, and I think he well-deserved that he, he got that year. A lot of guys don't get those multiple years of, of high pay. We've mm. seen that with Kyle as well. A lot of the guys will drop down after that big year. Some guys don't even come back. Once you've been on that big money and fail, you don't get another opportunity. Uh, so Kane's obviously class enough to get that other opportunity to be back. And look, I, I'm backing him in. I'm backing him in. I think Hess made a really, really good point in terms of I think he's such a team man that he doesn't – if the team gets off to a poor start, like we saw Finn get out quite often, quite early mm. in that tournament – I think he probably thought that they needed to rebuild and, and make sure they could leave the hitters towards the end like the Jimmy Neeshams and that. Uh, so, I, uh, yeah, I, I think having no captaincy in that format, like you suggested, would be beneficial. But, hey, I think he wants to go out as a as a World Cup winner, World Cup winning captain for New Zealand for the Black Caps, which has never been done, right? So I think that's what he wants to finish his career with. And, and who's to blame him, I guess? Um, He's been one of our best leaders all time. Our best, probably will be our best batsman of all time. Um, so he probably deserves the right to, to pick and choose what he wants to do. Yeah, and how he goes out. It's uh, 9.28 here on SCNZ. Um, breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo coming up shortly. Louis Herman Watt joins us for a Love Racing update. Free pay plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SCNZ. This is SENZ Breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo, thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Time for our Love Racing update now. Loveracing.nz, your home of thoroughbred racing. Uh, have we got Louis Herman Watt there? Hyphen, come on in. How are you? 
G'day, Rick Dog. How are you, big guy? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good. How did you go yesterday in Tauranga? Um, oh, a little bit of a mixed bag. As I said, I wasn't really keen on that much, but it was worth following Opie Boston, and he got a few up in the end, so Opie had a couple winners and a couple near near misses, so uh, it was it was worth sticking with the hot jock. Well, Louis, Louis uh, you sent me through a really nice little uh, multi that you put together with a bonus bet the other day. Do you want to share that with the listeners? Oh, <laughs> they heard me punish them with that chat uh, on <laughs> Sunday, mate. But yeah, just a $25 multi I cobbled together with, um, yeah, just a bonus bet. I mean, the amount of bonus bets you can rack up at, the, at this time of year with all the bonus back promotions off racing they run and uh, hot jocks. So essentially, you just got to be, if you're not if you're not hitting these races, running second, third or fourth and, and get a reload. And yeah, just cobbled together a nice little multi earlier in the week, got some overs, Mitch, and, and managed to turn 25 bucks into just over a grand. So yeah, it was a tidy wee day. So that's a genuine strategy, just making sure that you are on all your bonus bet uh, races. Is that the way to go about it? Well, I mean, it, look, it honestly depends what sort of punter you are because Mick Guerin absolutely reckons that there's that pointless. That that there's not if you if you're serious about betting, there's no point even considering a bonus bet, and that and that might be true to a certain level, but. For punters, kind of, I assume on our level, um, and more punters that are just punting for fun, responsibly, and at, over the age of eighteen, naturally, um, it, it's a good way to be sustainable. And and days like New Year's Day, where every single race was a bonus back race, it means that if you're having your five or ten or twenty five dollars into every single race on New Year's Day. More often than not, if you've done your form and, and you're taking it a little bit seriously and you say you're getting unlucky and you're, you're running seconds or thirds or fourths or, you know, maybe fifths or sixths, but more often than not running in the top four for your win bets, well, it just means it's more sustainable. So you can have a lot more fun and, and then you can reload. And I mean, the, the, the trap is kind of with a bonus bet, you don't really attach as much value to it because it literally isn't necessarily that valuable doesn't have the value you don't get your money with it so you kind of do silly things like put four leg multis on with them and i just happened to jag one in the weekend which is a good feeling to be honest what about today mate what are you looking at today well today's actually a ripper and i'm um i'm actually on air from i think 2 30 to 5 30 today and we've got the thames cup uh at matamata at about 12 past and Five, yeah, twelve past five. So that's it, Mata Mata. We'll, we'll take some of those races, and there's some nice horses in here. Bella the Bull, Illicit Miss for Tiako. They come back from down south. This is over a mile. We just saw Campionessa have the same recipe and win the Rich Hill Mile after she was with these horses down south during the spring and the spring carnival. So Bella the Bull, three dollars thirty. I'm really interested. It's our man Opie Boston, a good low barrier draw. She probably is the horse to beat in this race. Um, I would just note that high choice. Ben Foote's team is going very good. He's got second up form. You're getting $15 and four twenty. So big overs there, I think, um, for high choice, who can run races. And actually found some form late in his last preparation. That's the Thames Cup. And then the other thing, guys, is the West Coast Circuit starts today for... The gallopers. So we've seen the harness horses go around on the West Coast as they do at the start of the year. Now it's the gallopers. So the Kamara Gold Nuggets is this weekend, and, and that's where the winners 
the winner actually of the race actually receives two gold nuggets, I think at the value of about $25,000, which I just absolutely love. But today they start off at Greymouth, and you have to give a massive shout-out to Kevin Myers. He won the, um, well, was awarded the Lifetime Contribution, Outstanding Contribution to Racing Award this year, Dummy Myers did. He's had a life in it, and he has taken so many of his horses down to the West Coast to support this circuit every single year, and this year none the different. Race number two, there's a horse called Kopoor. It's a dollar fifty, and it should be absolutely braining these ones. You'd think it's um, a really nice horse. It was winning at Rickerton in the nice races. It's on the west coast for today's meet. It'll probably back up in the weekend, you'd assume. But Kopoor at a dollar fifty could be a bit of a multi filler. And just while I'm rambling, I'll give you the one I put it with at Matter Matter. I think it's race number. Eight, Romancing the Moon. Ran in behind, uh, in the Thousand Guineas, in behind Legato. Actually ran second to Legato back at Tarapa in the north. It's $2.10. So I'd have Kopua into Romancing the Moon, just a tidy little two-leg all-up multi. Perfect. Uh, Louis, I'm just scrolling down on the on the racing on the TAB, and there's some South African races. Have you had a dabble on a South African <laughs> donkey? Um. Yeah, I have. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought that'd be a stumper. No, uh, good on you. Okay. No, very, very late. Very, very, very late at night or early in the morning. And um, yeah, just well, that's what you call throwing absolute darts when you when you're punting Kenilworth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, I mate. love it. So long as it fills the beer fridge from time to time, Louis. Hey, mate, thanks very much for coming on today. Have a great show this Arvo. 2 30 to 5 30. Who are you on with? I think it's just me. I think I'm oh. just, um, I got neats. We, we're powering away. We'll, we'll do some racing, though, mate. We'll, we'll do some racing um, and we'll come up with some other good stuff. So looking forward to it. Yeah, good stuff, mate. Have a great show this afternoon. Tune in to Louis uh, for more Love Racing updates. LoveRacing.nz for all your thoroughbred racing news, previews, replays, profiles, and more. Up next, we're going to head to the UK, catch up with Matt Reed and talk EPL. Ian Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. 16 away from 10 o'clock here on SENZ. It is breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo, thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. And uh, joining us now to talk Premier League football is Matt Reid out of the UK. G'day, Matt. How are you? Oh, he's not here just yet. Okay. All right. We're just teeing him up. Uh, we are going to, there's four games tomorrow and then another four games the day after that. And then a big game on Friday morning, New Zealand time. Chelsea play Manchester City. Uh, so we're going to preview uh, some of those with Matt. And uh, we'll also talk about Brentford this morning. Sealed their first victory over Liverpool since 1938. It's a long time between drinks. 84 years. Um one thing, um, Mitch, that we do have to get to with Matt as well is uh, he has talked about how you carried his World Cup fantasy cricket team uh, one year. I'm just trying to figure out what, what World Cup that was. Do you do you have any recollection of what World Cup that might have been? Oh, I might have done okay for him in a couple of games in the 2016 World Cup in India. But there Mitchell Satner and he showed he, geez, they let our side, that's for sure. Yeah, all right. Matt is with us now. Matt, is. Uh, can you confirm, 2016, uh, that's when uh, Mitch brought glory to your uh, fantasy team at the uh, Cricket World Cup? <laughs> yeah, absolutely glorious. Yeah, yeah, pl- plenty of points. Uh, I, I, I had a couple, I had a couple of, of decent performers. Um, I had, I had Bumrah as well, um, who, who took a few w- wickets. And I think I had Jadeja as well. Um, 
But um, I only really got bum run because he's got a funny name more than anything else. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so that was my that's my my lack of focus. But the Mitch wasn't in for that reason. Mitch was in because of because uh, of you know quality performance and uh, my belief that he'd pick me up some big points, and he did. Uh, and I and I won my office league off the back of it. Uh, so you know I, I owe you in a big go. way. Happy days. Yep. I'm always always down for a brew. That's how, for sure. How many beers do you think it's worth? <laughs> that's the question. How many beers do you think it's worth? I mean, at the time, it was worth a hell of a lot of beers. Now it's ancient history. Uh, I'll, probably run, I'll probably run. I'll run from that promise, and we'll maybe make it a couple. Okay, couple sounds good. Couple sounds good. Uh, look, I, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to confess to being a uh, football aficionado. That's why I have Rick Dog here next to me. But geez, uh, seven points clear at the top of the EPL. Arsenal are uh, on fire this season. Oh, they are. They absolutely are. And. Um, you, you kind of like at the start of the season. If you'd looked at this fixture that's coming up um, with, with um, 7:45 English time tomorrow, Arsenal against Newcastle, and you'd have, you'd have said it was going to be the first place team against the third place team. Uh, people would have looked at you like you'd gone out. They really would have. I mean, Newcastle invested a bit of money, big big spenders over the last two years. Well, since they they were taken over, Arsenal, uh, a team which had you know which were being pitched as being. Um, challenges for fourth, fifth, and sixth. You know they weren't viewed as being credible challenges to the Man City's, Liverpool's, and uh, Chelsea's of this world. Even Manchester United were getting more talk because of a you know, change of management and the change in the belief that there would be big investment. Um, Arsenal are fantastic. I'm absolutely blown away by them this season. Um, I've, I've, I've had quite a lot of. Um, uh, Interactions a terrible word. I've had a few interviews over the years with uh, with Mikel Arteta, um, and, uh, and as it happens, and another quirky story, my my brother-in-law has a picture of uh, a signed uh, mini Everton shirt. He's an Evertonian uh, in his downstairs toilet by Mikel Arteta. Um, there's a long story behind it, but it's very quirky. Lovely little message from Mikel. Um, but what I can tell you about him is he's tenacious. He's an absolute. He's a battler and he's a warrior. And he, he's, he's, you know, he, he looks like this calm and well-presented kind of bloke. He loves to win and he hates to lose. Uh, and despite the fact that he didn't win a huge amount during his career, he won stuff in uh, in Scotland and he won, um, you know, he's won cups um, with Arsenal. Um, but he, he loves, he loves the battle and he loves the kind of like the tactical like battle and joust of things. Um, it's incredible where they are in the league and they're playing great football. Yeah, they are playing great football. It sounds like, you know, by the toilet's probably the best place to hang an Everton shirt at the moment, but we'll get into that a bit later <laughs> on, Matt. Um, now to tomorrow on that game, Arsenal at home so far this season played seven, one, seven, Newcastle on the road played eight, one, four, drawn three, only lost one. So, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a tough game to call this. Yeah, it is. It is. But I was thinking. I mean, that was that's been the case on a couple of matches, like pre and since the uh, the World Cup break um, for Arsenal. But I, at the moment, they feel like a juggernaut. They really do. Newcastle's defence is very, very tight. They had a run um, September time after a couple of fixtures, and they might have won their opening game. I can't remember exactly. Um, but they had a run of four or five games where it was draw, 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 and. Um, we've got six to eight games in the season and Arsenal were in the bottom six of the table and people were starting to say, oh, is Eddie Howe really going to be the guy who can handle this? Is there pressure on him now, etc.? Um, but he's turned that around. He's started to pick up wins. 
but the, the defence, they seem to be consistent throughout as the defence. I mean, they really are very, very tight at the back. And they've just recalled um, Martin Dubravka from uh, from Manchester United, who was the, like, the reserve goalkeeper. Um, but that isn't anything to do with um, the, the way that the team is playing or any doubts that are kind of like lingering there. I mean, the Newcastle defence is solid uh, and they have a very uh, disciplined and hardworking midfield that make it very difficult for an opponent. However... Arsenal's pace, the way that they move the ball through transition, I just, I just can't see anybody at the moment uh, stopping them. I think the challenge for Arsenal will come is when they have a bad result and mm-hmm. seeing whether these young players have the stones, have the kind of like the, the mental fortitude and they have the belief in themselves when they get a knock back and maybe that lead of seven points goes down to five or four or whatever it is, that'll be the point when we'll see whether there's the toughness. But there have been moments um, in November and December when Arsenal have it's, they've been won down or where they've been struggling to get them to break through and they've come through and they've shown the resilience. So... Um, I fancy Arsenal for it in a big way. Mm, okay, all right, that'll be interesting. Do you think Arsenal are going to do any business in this window with Gabriel Jesus being ruled out for, what, uh, up to three months with that injury picked up at the World Cup? Yeah, that, it, it does It does create problems for them. Um, Eddie Nketiah, who's who's their, their cover guy, really, um, if they are going to play a traditional number nine, He's, a, he's quite a different player. He's very much, as, as we saw with his goal against Brighton, he loves to just hover. He's, he's Van Nistelrooy-esque, but without the physicality. He loves to hover around the around six, eight, ten yards from goal and just be there just to nip in with a little, a little topo to get the ball into the net. Um, the rest of his game is fairly limited, but he is, he is adept at finding space in the box. So he'll be a decent cover option, but it's months that Jesus is missing for, uh, or, you know, Jesus, should I say. Um, for, for Arsenal fans this season, he has been Jesus-esque. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be, it would be, um, it's going to be a big decision for Arteta, because if you get an injury then to, uh, to Nketiah, you're then looking at, well, do we have to, are we going to push Martinelli central? Are we going to be, um, you know, playing with a false nine, etc.? And it does change things for them. I suspect that they're going to gamble on it and they'll stick with the squad they've got because they do have players who can suck inside and they can play it in that different kind of way. Um, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to watch the next couple of weeks to see about what they do. Matt, just so we can rub it into Captain Kay, who's our producer here, um, with Liverpool going down to Brentford 3-1. We've just seen the results of that. Brentford have been fantastic this year, particularly at home. Three wins, four draws and one loss. Uh, I mean, they're building a fortress at home, aren't they? They are. They absolutely are. Um, it was today's game was reminiscent of what happened to Manchester United at the start of the season with the 4-0 um, like, d- destruction that took place there. Um, Brentford went ahead and they didn't just sit on that 1-0 lead. They didn't just like, allow that to be the, the definition of their game and it's like, oh, let's just hope that's a high point and nothing else. They kept going and kept going. And they could have had it. It really could have been, despite the fact that they conceded the goal, um, it could very easily have been five, six, seven, if it wasn't for a little bit more discipline with some of their players um, and watching the, the offside line, they could have so easily absolutely humiliated Liverpool. And a 3-1 defeat you know, against one of the less fashionable teams is kind of humiliating for one of the teams who should be in, in the top two or three in the table you know, based on where they've been in recent seasons. But, I mean, it was a humiliation, wasn't it? It really, really was. Um, 
and um, it's kind of it's further unpicked confidence points. Now the the ability the, the with the cross ball, uh, balls in from crosses, balls in from um, from corners created all kinds of problems for them. They could have had five or six from those alone. Um, really, really good chances and like very tight on the VAR for one of them. Um, but they're just dominant, absolutely amazing. I, I hold my hands up. I thought they were going down this season, Brentford. I, th- I thought they had a remarkable first season, but second season syndrome would bite um, with the signings that they'd made. I'm, how wrong I was, and I'm very happy to be. They've, they've been remarkable. Yeah, I mean, question marks again raised about Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp. Um, you know, there was some talk at the beginning of the season when they started poorly about the seven-season itch, which he's had at Mines and he had it at Dortmund mm. as well. Um I've seen a few people suggesting that he maybe has lost the dressing room. The fact that Virgil Van Dijk got subbed at half time, injured or not, yeah. whether or not that's just a cover, I don't know. What What do you yeah. make of where Liverpool are at right now? Yeah, the substitution is in, is it, it, alarm bells are kind of going off when that happened. Um, there, there doesn't seem to be so. There was no Henderson today, and there was no Luis Diaz. Obviously, he's been out for quite a long time. He's got this knee injury. Um, but the team that was out, and there's no Andy Robertson who was on the bench. He's one of their senior big talking players. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't like it was a really weakened team. You know, this is pretty close to their strongest team. A couple of players out. Gakpo will work his way into the team. You'd have thought pretty quickly because of that signing coming from PSV. Um, but the, the senior players are the ones who are letting him down. You know, uh, I mean, Allison. Is the exception to that, I suppose. Although he could have done better with the uh, second goal, well, maybe the, first, the second goal when he was trying to claw it out. He's a bit slow to react on that. But Van Dijk, um, Fabinho, uh, Thiago is a bit hot and cold. Um, I mean, pretty much every one of their senior players, with the exception of Alexander Arnold, who's still putting in some lovely crosses despite being a, a defensive um, issue. <laughs> um, but every one of their senior players is struggling. Um, and, and that does point to there being some point, some some kind of discontent um, at play there. There's nothing creeping out um, chat um, chat wise around the squad from the people who I know in and around the squad. Um, but there are little whisperings that um, that there is there are problems here and there. So that's something which may well develop in the coming weeks. Um, the, the seven seasons is interesting, isn't it? That's just such a an incredible thing that it happens again and again. Um, and that's where we are for Klopp, and it's and it's uh, something which is being held up against them. 